Shop at Acme and redeem your rewards points for free grocery items or discounts on gas at participating Exxon or mobile stations. Download the Acme mobile app or visit acmemarkets.com. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. He doesn't stand for baloney. No baloney out there. By the way, were you a fan of fried baloney? Loved fried baloney. Yeah, fried? I loved it. There we go. So I I had my own own technique and everything. (laughs) Yes. So I had... Fried baloney was good. I had, uh, which was like a precursor to the the, uh, George Foreman grill. It was called the Presto. It was this little grill thing. Was your picture on the box? I know it should have been. That's probably why I liked it so much. It was everything everything but an N for my name. And I would take two pieces of bologna. Now, right. Here's the deal. When you fry bologna, you have to cut little slits on the ends of it. Yeah. Or it will curl up because of its shape. Right. So I would uh, I would fry two pieces of that, and then I would put American cheese on one, and then I would flip the other piece over. That's nice. And I'd make a little Sammy-type thing out of that. But then I'd put it on bread and mustard, mustard. And, some, and lettuce. I would have lettuce on there, you too. You do lettuce. And that was my standard fried bologna sandwich. You know what? I can actually smell and taste it right now while I'm talking it. about it. I loved it. I you know what? It, it's time to have some. Fried it's time bologna to have sandwiches. some more fried bologna. All right. So it's Marissa, what all the athletes are eating. Marissa asked this question on our uh, Twitter account, which is, uh, "When's the last time you ate a bologna sandwich?" Bring back bologna hashtag. And uh, it occurs to me, I've never had bologna in my life. No. Get out of here. Never. I've never had one bologna sandwich. I've never had flat fried bologna. I've never had any bologna ever. So you do you not stand for bologna? No. Uh, you know what? I'll stand for you it. I guess. Stand for bologna. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I can stand for it or not because I, I have no. I have no. I'd like to stand on. Tomorrow on this show, I'll make your fried bologna sandwich. All right, yeah. All right? I mean, you know nice. me. I'll, I'll try anything. I need a, uh, I, I need a, a little, I need a grill. I need something I can heat it up in, but. I need a griddle. I can, I can bring a griddle. You got a griddle? Thank God you're a country boy. Uh, yeah, I got uh, cakes on the griddle. <laughs> I will tell you this. I, I think the way to go is with the fried bologna because that is the best version of bologna. Yeah. Well, uh, so Marissa just brought it to my attention. Tomorrow's hoagie day. Wawa's coming in. Oh. Uh, maybe they can bring. They won't they don't know my cutting the edge technique and all that stuff. I mean they can bring ballooning if yeah. they want to. Uh and we can have some baloney for Nick, but he should have it in a couple of different if he's right. never had it before, maybe a, a baloney hoagie. It just wasn't the lunch meat of choice in my a house bologna. growing up. We had the, you know, we would have ham okay. and we would have turkey and you know, my mom would hit the deli, you know, at least once or twice a week. <laughs> But uh, I just never had bologna as, as one of the options. Right. Uh, Tony Danza and bologna. Those yeah. two things kept out of the macaroni. That's right. right. No Tony Danza. And you know what? And I'm going to get you old school. I'm, I'm not going to the deli. I'm going to go straight to the... Uh, to the, the Bologna-terium. No, I'm going to the <laughs> to the cooler where I keep just the Oscar Mayer uh, bologna. Ah, uh, standard. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, like the, the lunch stuff. What? I just, you know, I prefer the... The actual deli counter. Like, You're going to have it my Pizza way. And Watson. No, okay. You're going to have it my Just way. Just discretion. But listen, they and, and we can have we can have varieties of bologna to sample. Right. But I'm going to give you my standard. All right. Pressinelli sandwich. You want it with the mustard and the lettuce too? Yes. Okay. I trust you. you. That's your grocery store today. Do you All like right. mayonnaise? I don't like mayo. Okay. Then no. We're not on gonna... anything? I'm not a mayo. I mean, well, it's funny because I'll have like chicken salad or tuna salad, and that's okay. But uh, right. mayo as a condiment for uh, for a sandwich? No. Okay. 
right. What about a lubricant to, uh... Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that apparently was only one time, and it was fat-free, and it didn't work out for him. <laughs> fat-free oh, mayonnaise? Like, yeah. Let's clarify. Not me, by the way. <laughs> I was not yeah, the you, one. Your buddy <laughs> used mayonnaise to, uh, to get off, right? It was not me. Yeah, well, and or so, Kathy's buddy did. Yeah. No, Kathy uses great papa. Nick, Nick's friend uses toothpaste. Toothpaste, yeah. yeah. The yeah. guy works on Capitol Hill. And yeah. when we mentioned it on uh, Friday or whenever it was, I got a text from his roommate, the guy that lived with him, whose mayonnaise it was. <laughs> and so he said it was fat-free, and he was really upset because it didn't work like the regular mayonnaise did. Wow. <laughs> That's a good piece of advice there. If you are going to whack it using mayonnaise, make sure it's not fat-free. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got to believe that the toothpaste had to have been painful. My friend, yes. Will, this weekend, yes. we had uh, our, our friends stay over, and he was uh, getting ready to brush his teeth. And so you know how some of the... Toothpaste uh, containers will have a cap that stays on there. It's yeah. you flip open. Yeah. Well, as he was flipping it open, apparently it flipped and then it flipped back, and a tiny itty bitty piece of toothpaste flew up and landed in right it. in his eye. Oh, no. And he said it was insanely painful. I've been there. When, yeah. If you're brushing your teeth and you just and it flicks up a little yes. bit, you'll get it in your eye and it stings like a son of a bitch. Yeah. The things you learn. So let me dispense this little piece of advice too. Please. In this time of of uh, being aware of of the sun and using, uh, you know, sunblock. If you're using, uh, uh perspiration, uh, free or or uh, you know the what what are they called the, the, when you go into the water? Or no, um, you can keep it on the sunblock that is very water resistant. Yeah, it's waterproof. I guess whatever yeah. the technical whatever word they like to use. Mm-hmm. Keep it as far away from your eyes as possible uh-huh. because if it gets into your eyes, you really can't do anything because it's resistant oh, yeah. to being diluted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've had that happen many to, times. Oh, it, it just, wash it out. your nose starts running like crazy. It's a nightmare. Oh, so okay. keep it, up. like, in, in fact, I will put it up, like, from my cheeks down and put a much lighter sunblock on top of my head so that when I sweat, it yes. doesn't run down into my eyes. Yeah, mm. I believe that. Yeah, <clears throat> that's how right. painful it is. That, so don't. Jacket with fat-free mayonnaise right. and be careful of your water-resistant sunblock. Yeah. I hope this has helped. By the way, someone wants to point out that the reason that Nick has ever never had bologna is because uh, bologna and raisins don't go together. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> Keen observation. Not, probably not true. It would just roll That's off. not true. That sounds disgusting. Bologna and raisins? Yeah. It actually sounds amazing. Okay. Are you out of... You're out of your mind. You're out of order. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, right. dude, you you made a cheese board that essentially had bologna and raisins in it. You know, you had yes, you had little grapes. It, it also and- had ducks. Okay, so there there were grapes in it, and yes, there were there were like prosciutto and, and uh, gabagool and all these things. <laughs> yes. Okay. Whatever. And all you say bologna and raisins sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up because yes. the new Daily Rush video yes. is uh, the title is WWE Superstar Drew Gulak. And it says, Drew wanted to try Preston's edible charcuterie board, so we served him a taste from the top rope. And, of course, this is when Casey <laughs> is hand-feeding it to him, and he's doing, like, the airplane. And Casey goes, all right, all right, from the top turnbuckle, here we go. It's hilarious. I can't get over how nice that guy was. Drew was super is great. Nice. Yeah, it was just such a cool interview. And, by the way, I made a third oh. charcuterie, oh edible God. charcuterie well, board this weekend. Uh, You're from, like a pro now. For my friends. Yeah. This one was actually the worst of the three oh. that I've made. So, yeah. 
You waited to make the worst one for your I friend. Did I, I've got you know it's it's uh, it's a little persnickety. Everything has to be just right, and uh, is the, I'll, I'll perfect it eventually. Is the big risk element uh, the actual dough itself? Yes, yes, getting yeah. it just right, and yeah, exactly. That's the thing, yeah. and different. Uh, you know, I, I get them from grocery stores the pre-made dough, and if it's and this it's one, I did a good one. This one I didn't let uh, sit out to room temperature. I, I rolled it out when it was cold, and it just didn't. It didn't work out. I'm trying to forget. Get, get off his back, Marissa. Can we talk about the other food revelation you had this weekend? The other food. Re- oh yeah. So uh, we went out to breakfast, mm-hmm. and the reason Marissa brings this up is because I sent her a picture of it. We had a table pancake. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, and that was that was my son Carter's idea. Because they had uh, like a cinnamon bun pancake stack. <laughs> and what is this? <laughs> it's it's a, table a table pancake. Oh. So we'll be having a table pancake. Pancake. <laughs> and so we ordered a pancake for the table and we just kind of picked that. Just one pancake. Very good. Um, no. Uh, let me get the syrup, Captain. <laughs> it was a short stack. Uh, and it was uh, and it was tasty, Marissa. It's a, it's a novel idea. So Excuse me, Garçon. Would you fry my bologna? I think we were all having something savory, ah. you know, like eggs and, and, and sausage and bacon and stuff like that. So as a little dessert, Nick, it's like a little dessert, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it was our table pancake. Nice. Okay, we actually had a table steak last night. Uh, I've never had that before. <laughs> table steak. Table steak. Uh, what, what, did you just slaughter the calendar? <laughs> no. So I, ha- I grabbed dinner with my wife and Chuck and his wife. And we had all ordered our entrees, but Chuck was really, he, he knew what he wanted. And then they brought the specials out. And this one, the one special was the steak Denver or Denver steak or whatever. And so he ended up ordering. He's like, if I order a steak for the table, will you guys all eat it? And sure enough, we did. All so right. we had a fifth entree huh. that we all consumed. Took of. Yeah. Okay. Did you cut it into four pieces or did everybody just kind of take a little slice and... Uh, no. Nibble off of it. So let me ask you this. All right, because, I want to see what your etiquette is. Uh, because Chuck was the first to dive into the steak, and he cut off a little sliver for himself, and he brought it over and start and, and put it on his plate. Mm-hmm. I, however, did not have enough room on my plate to do that. So what I did is I cut a sliver off of the steak, and then I ended up, and by the way, I asked for a steak knife twice, and we never got one. So I had to cut the steak with a butter knife. And so I... I Cut a sliver off, and then I cut that up into, I don't even know, like six pieces, and I left it on the steak plate uh, for myself because I didn't have enough room. I also didn't want to double dip with my mouth fork. You know what I'm saying? I understand. All right. Okay. My mouth Uh, fork. So (laughs) somebody start taking your pieces? Chuck did. Okay. You probably should have said something. I probably should have said something, but yes. I wouldn't have done the same thing, probably. Okay. Yeah. Chuck Marissa? just helps himself to whatever food you have. He's Whether a, he's it's at your a, house, on your plate, in your mouth. In the sink in or the, trash in the sink. can. Yeah. He will go for it. Marissa? So, this is an issue, Casey, because it happens with me and my boyfriend all the time. Uh, we'll share dishes all the time, but sometimes I'll like cut one little piece, and then that piece is too big, so I'll cut it in half. But I'll always take the bite that I don't want first, and then save and then he the, like, the really good. And then he always takes the one that I cut. Yeah, you, I tend to... You guys should break up. But if you're cutting a piece, <laughs> it's and, there's, like... and there's uncut pieces... The person who cut the piece gets that piece they cut. I understand. Yeah, I think we all tend to, or at least I tend to, leave the best pieces last. Like, I tend to, like, when I, like, a plate of French fries or whatever, I I make sure that my last fries are the best fries. So I'll eat the... the, That's dangerous. It is. Well, leaving them because you don't know what the temperature is going to be towards the end of the meal. And so, like, you're running the risk of them cooling off too much. Yeah, I don't mind that either, though. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, Mm. when you buy, when you eat a steak... 
Which I probably, don't. Well, when you eat, you uh, eat steak? A, no. a filet of salmon or something like right. that, do you cut as you eat or will you cut it all so that when you're ready to Salmon go, is so flaky, I just use my, uh, my you, fork. You just, just use your fork? Full, yeah. I'm, I'm not left with these these dilemmas that you have to deal with. Yeah. The, the, the same, you know, like I don't, uh, I, I cut as I'm eating. Yeah, I, I cut, cut as I cut. Yeah. Why, yes. you cut it all up? I like have a little Mommy kid. comes in and cuts it for yeah, me. Yeah, right? Yeah. I kind of like being able to just go, right? So I'll just take, I will take <laughs> so the how, time. Time is always of the essence. And time is always of the essence, but I, so I, that's what but I it will all do. evens out because you take the time to cut it in the beginning. No, right? no, no. It's completely different, Preston. <laughs> but you do your work at the beginning of the I meal. I do my work at the beginning of the meal so right. then I don't have to work. I got it. For my food, <laughs> right. you know, like I it's, can just get to it. You know what it's like, which is another one of your habits? You like putting occasionally, you like putting the, the cream and the sugar in the bottom of the mug. Not so occasionally, that, every time. Every time. So yeah. that, that way you don't have to stir because stirring's a lot of work. <laughs> oh my God, you get so tired my shoulder. I'm so efficient. Yeah. Uh, it by is the way, efficiency. Real quick, I'm sorry to jump in. Uh, I don't see any text on the screen uh, here, just to let you guys know. I see some people on hold, but I see no text, so I don't know what uh, who's on the line or what they're referring to at all. Uh, interesting, though, with your, uh, you know, stealing of the food d- dilemma there, uh, Casey, but um, well, I, I think, I think you need stealing. to... I know, but it, it, misunderstanding, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. You, you should probably... Say hey, I cut those up for me. Who, who got to maybe decide? these are not the friends for you? Yeah, <laughs> who who made the decision on how the steak was cooked? We there, it was a it was a group decision, and we all decided that yes, uh, medium was was good. Okay, yeah, we were we were fair. all okay. I with hope that. you were filming this. Yeah. It's a safe way to go. <laughs> all right. I think so. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I don't even know how we got started on that part. Uh, table right? bacon. I mean, not table bacon. Bologna. Table bologna. <laughs> we started with bologna. Pancake. I have an bologna. Yeah. You're All making right. me bologna tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Kathy had pointed out that the car fire on the Schuylkill Expressway was carrying... There we go. Bologna. Bologna. Yeah. Yeah. We retrofitted the whole story oh, yeah. until that. All right. So, <laughs> All right, so burning anyway. bologna now. What else? Um, now. There was initially what I was going to bring up was this story at the uh, Tour de France. Yes. Uh, and you guys enlightened me to it. I missed it from the weekend that apparently it was crazy at the start of one of the, the legs. I'm not sure which one. It was the very start of the race. Like it it was the <sighs> just underway because they were all bunched in on each other. No one had separated. I mean, it's right at the beginning. Is this the first heat? It was, the... st- it was stage number one. Stage like, one. Okay. Yeah. So if, if you missed it, a woman is standing off to the side and she's holding a big cardboard sign, and apparently that cardboard sign essentially says go grandma or granddad or something like that, and somebody hits it and boom, falls down, and then of course if you're in the front and you fall down, when the race is that tight, uh, everybody's going to wipe out, and like 50 people... Like fifty people collapsed or or were gummed I, I, it up. It was and... it was bad. Yeah. yeah, it was really bad. And she was like leaning out in front of one of the riders, which is how it all happened. And he it, hit, it he caught, hit him. The caught him. Caught him. Yes. Caught him. He fell, and then it was just a chain reaction from there. By the way, she boom took yes. off. She's gone. They don't, know, for they don't know who she was, and they are looking for her. They're oh saying they're saying she. Well, no, they have tons of footage of sure. her, yeah. uh, but they're saying she could be looking at a year in prison. Oh my god! It's yeah. not uncommon though. I mean, at, the, at races, like people are just holding up signs. All all over the place. You're, it's, it's been a constant problem where people like crowd into the roads way too much, and so uh, I'm surprised this, this is like, oh. you know, as bad as it's gotten. Yeah, and you're right. The guy who initially fell over immediately behind him, he gets run. His head gets yeah. run yeah. over, Ugh. and you figure that's, that's somebody who's weighing. You know, yeah. the the the, uh, the bike riders are kind of you know they're lighter, so I would imagine at least like 180 pounds or something like that, or, mm-hmm. or somewhere in that 150 180 pounds going on that small little bike tire. 
right over the guy's head. Do we know how fast they were going, Steve? Did I hear you They're, say like 30 at this point, or was it too early? I think it was too They, they appear to be going like around tw- uh, tw- 20. Look, I mean, it's, it's a good... They're not, they're not, they're not boom, crazy pumping. They Steve, have... they go so fast. I'm sorry, Kath. No, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I don't know when they started, but at least they had, <sighs> they had picked up some speed. It looks gnarly. I mean, and but when they they cut to an aerial shot, you just see bu- cyclists sprawled all over the uh, the street. It was in so tight, you had nowhere to go. You just had to keep and running after, into the person in front of you. Yeah, like after, uh, like a few people got by, and then after that, you couldn't. They couldn't even get by. So, what did they do? I don't know. How did the race continue? Well, there's some people that actually were injured and couldn't cannot continue. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. But I mean, like, look. So look at this shot yeah. that we're looking at. No one, no cyclists can get by. So right. did they restart the race? No, I don't no. know. No, I think, they can't. Like yeah. you just you you, you get what you get and you don't get upset. And Damn. so there were a couple of people who you can see they just grab their bikes and they kind of like tiptoe over oh, everybody. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and terrible. you know what? It's it's interesting seeing that guy's head get run over. Casey, was it you that was showing me pictures of, uh, or maybe I just found this online of uh, people's helmets after they had uh, fallen? You, yeah, you or, had just fallen it, fallen it, found it. Yeah, it's uh. it's crazy. You know how those those helmets? Oh my god! Save your life did, on a bicycle. What did we do? Did you have did you have a a, a helmet stuck under your car I one did. time? Yeah. You brought yeah. it in. Yep, and it. Had, it had filed it had shaved it yeah. down like it looked like Frankenstein's helmet. There was uh I was on uh I would think I was on Route One yeah. and a, a vehicle in front of me, it was a, a motorcycle, had a helmet, an extra helmet hanging on the back. Yeah. They went over a bump like something like that. The helmet popped off. It went underneath my van. Yeah. And as soon as it hit it, it was like thunk <laughs> as I'm driving along. That's all I heard. And I pulled over. And it was wedged in so tight I couldn't get it out. Right, of there. right, right. And so I had to drive all the way home with that stuck underneath my my yeah. vehicle, <laughs> and it wore it all the way down. And eventually, I, it stopped scraping. And when I got home, it was still under there. But it was it was like yeah. smooth. It was so filed down, yeah. but it, it peeled off so much. But you can see why those things will save your life. Yep, absolutely. So with this woman uh, being at the uh, you know. Essentially interfering with yeah, this whole thing. The Tour de France. Uh, I wasn't sure if there were any stories that you guys had or anybody has of of interfering with a with a sporting event uh, because oh, there are like people. on the sidelines and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there are people who you know actually pick up a ball that was yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know um, that's still in play and they don't know it is. Yeah. Or the thing that I that always drives me crazy and it's part of the deal. And this is you guys as, as baseball fans can I'm, I'm sure back this up. But when you see somebody in the stands who catches a ball that a player could conceivably oh, catch yeah. and, and robs that team of the out. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Meyer uh, in 1996 um, cost the uh, the Orioles the ALCS because he, he caught a ball that was uh, in play, and uh, the Yankees ended up going on to win that game. They, they counted it as a home run. It should yeah, have been. The dude from, with the Cubs. Uh, uh, Steve, Steve uh, Bartman. He had to go into hiding. Yes. I mean, he, his life in Chicago was ruined. Yeah. And wow. listen, well... We can talk about Steve Bartman for a long time, but the, it wasn't his fault that the Cubs lost the series. 
his play interfered, and it, it was a pivotal pivotal moment. But it wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't on the mound that gave up the next three runs. What happened? I don't remember. Steve Bartman uh, interfered with a ball that probably Moises Alou probably could have caught in left field, and if if Moises Alou had caught that ball, the Cubs in all likelihood would have gone on to win that game. So, so this so, guy, wait, hang on, the guy yeah. you're talking about is in in the stands. Yeah, you can see him. Oh, in the and you know his name just because it, he was so. It's infamous. a huge scandal. Yeah, so he's okay. sitting there listening to the game. He has his headphones on, and Casey's right. It ruined his life in Chicago, and he became this. This villain in in the whole town because the Cubs hadn't won it. a World Series in forever. This was two thousand three. They ended up winning the World Series in twenty sixteen or whatever. Well, let me let me ask you this. So, like, with so here at the Tour de France, and and, and <laughs> you said, okay, all well, the bikes roll over, and that's it. It doesn't matter. You pick up your bike and go. There's there's no reset, no nothing. When a ball travels into the in, in, a, in a major league baseball game, and a ball travels into the stands or is heading there, what is what is the rule? I mean, if it's going to be in play, you are not as a fan. You are not allowed to interfere with it, right? So, if uh, uh, I went to a Phil's game a couple of weeks ago, and we sat in um, uh, in right field, Steve, right. and right in front of us is the fence. So, we, we I was lucky enough to get front row seats in right field. The fence, the top of that fence, is where the home run counts. If it goes above that fence, it's a home run. If it's a micrometer below the fence, if it bounces off of it, right. it comes back into the field of play. It's it's not a home run. So what if a what if a an outfielder is able to and we've seen it happen arch back and yep. catch it over the fence? If I were to interfere with that player, I could I would be ejected uh, and I could um, it, I could cost the team a run. So at, at so, what point though do you determine that you have to well, protect yourself as a ball is coming over? I would for me as a savvy yeah. fan, the moment you sit down in those seats, you have a responsibility yeah. to know what the rules are. Yeah. Ah, it's interesting. But I think, but Steve, I think your question is, it's not like football where if it breaks the plane of the line. Right, yeah. That it's a, that you can, you, a player can reach over that fence if he can get up high enough and, and rob him of the... Uh, yeah. I'm surprised the that there's not more interference in the NBA games, to be honest. I mean, especially, yeah. you know, with, with courtside fans and, like, just being as close as they are to the action. Yeah, when I went to the Eagles game in Buffalo a couple of years ago, I bought a single ticket in the end zone... I was and like front row. I was like, man, if I if I could catch a football on a kickoff or something like that, yeah, dude. Did I tell you? The no, guy, the guy next to me caught a kickoff. What? The guy right next to me. I'm watching this thing come in from like 70 yards away. I was like, I'm actually going to catch a football. It's like the movie Remedial. <laughs> it's a lot like that. Uh, but you're not allowed to keep the football. But they will give you a, a, a like a replacement football. It's a legit NFL football. Really? It's just They'll not give you one. Yeah, it's just not from that game. They right. have X amount of footballs that they use per game. I didn't know that. They have kickers footballs, blah blah blah. So so the guy came over. He goes, I need the football back. He's like, I'll come back and and I'll and I'll, and I'll give you another one. Sure enough, they gave him like a legit football. I had heard years ago, and you can tell me whether this is true or not. That it and maybe it would depend upon the stadium, but obviously not now. It doesn't take place because of what you just said. But yeah. that you could. Keep the ball, but you had to leave the game. You, well, really? so he could have done that. He could have okay. taken that football and darted out of the, the stadium. Mine. And that, Yeah, he could have done that. So, okay. so what if, like, in a hockey game, if you catch a hockey puck in your mouth, yes. <laughs> um, can you get to keep that? You get, to keep you get that season tickets. <laughs> and yeah. all your teeth. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to keep the puck, obviously, but uh, if a stick comes over the boards, you're supposed to return that. But one time I was at a Flyers game, <laughs> a stick came over the boards, and there, you know, it was a, sort of a scramble for it. Nobody could find it. You know, Some of the ushers came down looking for it, and then it just sort of disappeared into the crowd. And I, about two minutes later, I saw a guy walking up the steps, and it looked like... 
he had like a hip injury and he was like, <laughs> he had shoved the stick <laughs> down the right funny. side of his pants and he was la- laboring up the steps and it looked like he had one peg leg and he worked his way out of the, out of the venue. He worked his way out of the Wells Fargo Center with the stick in his pants. God, I remember one time it was at uh, University of Missouri, the football team had won a big game and it was one of those where they tear the, the goalposts down oh. and they had uh, somebody got it back to one of the fraternity houses. Uh, goalposts? Yeah, one of the goalposts. Right. Like, no they way. ripped it down. And oh they, yeah, I don't know. I never heard what ended up happening after that, but they got it to the party. What do you do with that after I, a while? You know, Are you still going to hold on to this goalpost? Yeah. I get rid of it. Yep. Uh, but as far as, like, messing things up in an actual right. game and stuff. And what I, the rules are. And what the rules are. So I had in college, because, listen, I, I um, umpired like softball, which, right. you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Intramural softball. That's not that big of a deal. But and I also, when I was in college, I was part of the chain gang for football, which I was terrified that I was going to mess something up because it's a collegiate football game. I also was a ball boy for the soccer team, which you can colossally, coloss, colossally, colossally yeah. yeah, mess something up there. But then I was also a line judge for volleyball, like le- legit collegiate volleyball. Really? And you have to make these calls on whether or not it's in or out. And I would have these women yelling at me because right. they, they're like, that's in. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, what I saw. Don't yell at me. Yeah, you know what? And that, that's got to be tough as, a, as, a, as an official. Yeah. You have to make a call. But you know, every now and then you second. Some people would have to second guess. I might have been out, but I'm saying it's not because what I saw was in. You know? So is yeah. the safe move to right at the bat say, "I'm not sure. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with this one. I'm taking my best yeah. guess here." <laughs> oh my god! Wow, I didn't know that you were a line judge. Yeah, I was. I love and I loved it. So I got to like hang. So the our gym was under uh, construction. So we all of our home games were at. Bryn Mawr College, maybe. So I would take the bus rides with the with the ladies Same volleyball soccer. team. Ooh, wow! Yeah, you know how yeah. much ass I got from that. Yeah, zero. Nailed <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, it's like when the, the yeah. Swedish bikini team needed to yeah. guys to oil them up. <laughs> wow! Yeah. All right, well, they they're looking for this uh, this woman uh, who held this sign out like Steve was saying she could face some jail time. They're saying a year. Yeah. But this happens at those races sometimes, right? It's, sometimes they plow into people. All the time. Why yeah, do they never. let them get so tied up on the road? Because I mean, I, I, you can't, I guess you can't cover every... That's exactly it. You're talking long. about yeah. miles and miles right. and miles and every, miles. Hundreds of miles per stage. Every yeah. Lake, yeah, every stage yeah. is, is 120, 150 miles long. So it's just they it go through the countryside in France, so you wow. can't regulate you all of it. kill bots patrolling. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised because they have these like like support and chase vehicles that are yeah. on there with How them. How do they well. get to them? Uh, like they're, I'm, but they're booking along on yeah. these motorcycles yeah. and these cars and stuff. Do you remember, was it last year or two? No, it had to have been two years ago where the dude did the jump over the racers, the riders, as they were going through, they were going through this. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. So this dude built a ramp. And so when they were going through this hillside, as the, the Peloton was coming through this particular area, this dude went downhill and then literally ramped over all of the riders. On a bike? On a bicycle. Wow. Yeah. By the way, Peloton? Yeah, it's, I guess, what they call the group of riders. Yeah, that's really I got the name. never knew that. Yeah. yeah. I always thought that was just a company name. Nope. Yeah, how about that? I did not know that. I you learn stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. Fried bologna, <laughs> Peloton. So a Peloton yeah. is the group of, of uh, the pack. The yeah. massive group, yeah. Yeah. And then there's the leader group. Son and... of a bitch, I've yeah. been living a lie for the last five years. <laughs> you know years. what I don't like, though? Is what? that they refer- It's like the Borg. Come on, Peloton. And the, the people who are the uh, the yeah. trainers. Come on, Peloton. Come on, no, no, Peloton. I know they can't manage to say 
by name who you are, but it seems a little borgy, doesn't it? It does. Resistance is futile. Uh, we're looking at video of this guy doing the, the ramp jump over the Peloton. And yeah. That's insane, dude. Man, you said Peloton. It was so good. It just rolled you said right it, yeah. off the tongue there. Now you it? know it. You've made yeah. the word your own. That mm-hmm. word is your bitch. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyhow, it's interesting. If you have not seen the uh, the video yet, you can... Oh, wait a minute. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, no. Is this... Hey, yeah. All right. I want to go to... So here's oh, somebody oh. messing this up. Let me go to... <laughs> let me go to Kenny. Hey, Kenny. Gadzooks. Gadzooks, buddy. What's up? So we're having a league game for Billards at, um, it was Showboat Casino back when that was still its thing. And, I mean, it's down to just a few balls left on the table. A drunk woman comes by, <laughs> picks up a billiard ball. Picks up the, the boy. And we're screaming at her. She's like, I just wanted to look at it. I don't know what the problem is. Oh, my God. So, oh. I mean, security grabs her. They kick her out. And then we had a judge come over, and he's all right, well, I mean, this is for prizes. This is for money. This yeah. is the main prize was to go to Vegas. Like, we're in the finals. <laughs> so um, what they decided to do was all the points stayed the same, and we're just re-racking, and we're going from there. So oh, wow. Instead of, yeah, that's that was the best decision we could come up with. And both teams agreed to it, and we went, all right, that's what we do. Did you end up winning? No. <laughs> so it worked Drunk. out. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. Oh, were, man, were you in that particular game? Were you guys ahead? Did, or We were only two balls behind, but, I mean, mm. you know, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, I mean, Because exactly. of how everything was set up on the board, and I can't even remember where everything was set up, but, you know. We had shots. We had shots planned out. But well, that, that that's like when people sit down and you hear about it all the time at the casinos in general. If they sit down and, and you know, screw up the flow of the table. Yeah. So, like, real neophytes do that all the time. You see people spill their drinks on the table. People get so pissed. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Same deal. Thanks, Kenny. I hope that Jeez. woman's in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Go that to woman hell. is in hell right now. Wow. All right, well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in a moment, and we got some hellish stories from Bizarre File to share with you, so that will be next. Make sure you stay with us, and we'll be right back. See what you've been hearing with WMMR.com's Video On Demand. Watch highlights from Preston and Steve shenanigans, station events, and take a peek behind the scenes at the station. You'll marvel at how anything gets done around here. WMMR.com. Preston and Steve. Their name is their address. Uh, on, on the web. PrestonandSteve.com. Football's back, and this Eagle season, there are huge prizes to be won at Acme. Enter Acme Swoopin' and Win Sweepstakes, and you could win up to $10,000 cash for 2024 Eagles season tickets. And all you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at acmeswoopinandwingame.com. Acme makes sure Eagles fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles. Free diamonds. Steven Singer is giving away free diamonds. You don't want to miss this. Everyone who purchases an engagement ring will receive a free one-carat lab-grown diamond. You must be thinking Steven only sells real natural earth-born diamonds. Well, you're right. But Steven will never sell a lab-grown diamond, but he will give them away. Nothing says I love you less than a lab-grown diamond. Don't be fooled by real natural earth-born diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. Steven Singer Jewelers, online at IHateStevenSinger.com or in a showroom at the other 
other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly while supplies last. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Yeah, we're going to have Derek Pitts on in a few, and they're doing this launch. And, uh, I mean, it's happening in 10 minutes. It's actually 10 minutes and 55 seconds until launch. So why not uh, cover the audio live? And uh, we'll yeah. watch some of this and listen to what's happening. And uh, then we can talk to Derek and see what his thoughts are. These uh, guys are not in the classic position that no. we're used to. I mean, these guys are basically sitting. Sitting upright? Upright. Round mm-hmm. table. And they're sort of, they're all facing each other. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, yeah. so you're not even looking out the window? Uh, <laughs> I, there are windows all the way around the head of the <laughs> the unit. Uh, but, yeah, I, that's the way they chose to do it. Um, so do we have, or have we patched into the audio? Uh, yeah. I want to hear if it's working here. Do we have it? Yeah, Jeff's actually going to come in with a, with a, what was it, a tray oh, of uh, right, so, compoya or I'm something? Gonna, like I'm going to ride this audio up and down a little bit here, but, um, so you have, you have... The yeah, oldest uh, person ever in space going up. Her name is her last name is Funk. Right. Uh, she was an astronaut candidate for a long, long time. You have the youngest person ever going to space, an 18-year-old from so, Denmark, I believe. I believe his father paid his way. Is that the deal? He was the oh, only wow. paid passenger. I on haven't the... really dove into all the details. I should probably know this stuff, but I haven't. I think that's this this story. He is the one person who bought his way onto the flight. There was an option to do that. Uh, I don't know if that was done through Omaze or whatever. Not this one. I think this one literally cost $28 million. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So, so the dad is apparently very wealthy. He's doing okay. Yeah. And uh, you have the richest man right. in the world going up as And his well. brother. Yeah, he's, he's taking his brother along. Yeah. So. That's a that's a that's a pretty interesting and cool hand-picked, well, yeah. some hand-picked. Uh, I guess they wanted I guess they wanted all those elements here. The oldest person, the youngest person. They have already got the richest person and the richest person's brother. Yeah. yeah. Take yeah. my bro. Uh, so the launch is taking place in Texas. And um, have you heard a few the people? Is it there that they uh, they weren't expecting how noisy it was going to be? The people that are yes. in surrounding communities. Right, right. You mean the rocket launch? You didn't think that was going to be that noisy? Well, they're, in, they're in Van Horn, Texas, which when you look at it, it's, it's real. But, but it's still the launches are heard. No. Yeah, you know, a, a great distance. So you guys know a little bit. I know nothing about this. Is this not a place where a rocket has been launched before? Correct. I mean, well, as far as a space program, they've right. been testing and stuff like that there, and, okay. and sending stuff up already. This but... would be a case where, again, where the capsule detaches and comes down vis-a-vis a parachute, and then the the large booster portion of the rocket returns to Earth as well. Intact. All right, so they talked to Houston, right? That was a you know, it's a command right. center. And then love lines. Do they ever did they ever land in Houston? No. Okay. No, no, no. They uh, land in California. They would uh and occasionally in Florida. Yeah. Most of the time I think they were at yes. Edwards, right? In in California. Is that the one out in the desert in the Mojave? Are you talking about the space uh, yeah, yeah. about the um uh, the space the shuttle. shuttle. Yeah. Yes. And every now and then they would land in Florida for whatever reason they couldn't land out west. Uh I don't know about the Florida one. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not really sure. I know there are very specific reasons on where they land. I think it's, is it White Plains? Not New York. Or White Sands? White Sands. Was the yeah. alternate location right. yes, where they right. land? Yes. Yeah. So Edwards Air Force Base in California and then uh, an alternate place, yeah, Preston, White Sands Space Harbor in New Mexico. And Xfinity Lives. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like enough space It there. does not seem. So we're at T-minus five minutes and 12 seconds. Yep. And it still continues to go down. So they're in the... Uh, the launch phase. Obviously, this is interesting because you have the world's wealthiest man sitting there. Yeah, yeah. and listen. And he's, he's, he's put up. I mean, you know. 
That's pretty wild. Yeah, and but you know, also consider the the dangers involved too yeah, about it. the wealthiest person in the yeah. world going up on something like this. You know, I mean, as far as things, I mean, you know, God forbid, but things do happen, and that's part sure. of the risk. In a minute here, I'm going to turn it up, and we can listen to what they're saying. We're just kind of talking over what they're saying, but we're coming, we're zeroing in on three minutes uh, to launch. So we may want to hear a little bit of the coverage and, and see what we can glean from that. So oh, yeah, we're but, getting into yeah. the business end of this. Right at about three minutes. I'm not sure who the commentators are, but here we go. Uh, Dan asking how. How long will they experience weightlessness once this rocket lifts off? It's a few minutes. It's like 11 minutes is the total flight time, I think. Oh, impressive. And it's so the head of NASA and Bubba the Love Sponge. It's like oh, four or five minutes, Bubba. I think. Glad he got a job. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's either four or five, and the final figure is dependent on exactly how efficient the BE-3 engine is, because liquid-fueled engines always burn slightly differently than what their baseline is. The windows are huge in this penis. They are gigantic. Yeah, Yeah, the head of the penis has tremendous windows. The the ability, as you've pointed out many times now, Preston, we live in a day and age where the cameras and the technology as far as high-definition video and streaming is is unlike anything we've ever seen. That's why I can't wait until a moon product. All right, they're retracting the the arm that goes out to the capsule now. (laughs) I want to hear some banter from the capsule. I want to hear them going back and forth, checking Systems whatever the so best on, but... and most stable camera views are. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the launch as we get up on team So with 20 seconds to go, let's listen in for the launch oh, of course. the first crew. Oh, go with some live audio. System. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. Command engine start. 2, 1. Wow, they got some cool audio from high up. I don't know if they had, they a, had a drone. drone. It had to be. It's a beautiful angle. Dude, it's totally a penis. It yep. is. Yep. One small step for man, one giant step for huge space penises. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen to the roar of the BE-3 engine. We are just about to pass through Max-Q, maximum dynamic pressure. Those when the stresses on the vehicle are at maximum. It's already at 500 miles an hour. Max Q. Max Q is confirmed. 20,000 feet. Max Q refers Beautiful to. burn on that BE3 Queef. engine. Look at that. Liquid hydrogen. The engine is normal, too. Imagine the G's that they're pulling in in that rocket right now. now. Probably Um, not as much now. Uh, I love fish, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I love fish, okay? This is an emotion. We've got a problem. There's less resistance. uh, I don't like this. Why did I have Scrapple for breakfast? (laughs) Why did I have Scrapple on a milkshake? I was a big mistake. I should have had that. Gravity. Zero G, so yeah. Zero G, there you go. They're at zero G. Do they have something floating around the cabin? I hope actually so. slowing down yeah, a little bit too. I'm sure they do. Yeah, now they're at. Uh, oh, they have that brand muffin. Uh, they're at about fourteen hundred miles per hour. And, it's amazing. Uh, Two hundred and ninety thousand feet. So not they have cleared what is traditionally the uh, the very dangerous part of everything. Obviously, the initial launch. Yeah, and they're they seem well on their way. Yeah, because. Reentry is not going to be, uh, 
you know, like it normally is with uh, when they're returning from a, an orbital flight. Hang on. They're, they're in the capsule. <laughs> They've got comms from the capsule, it sounds like. Nice. Oh, they're still going, too. Look at that. They're up almost to 345. What would have been a great stunt is at the zenith of this trip if he had ordered something from Amazon and it was delivered to him when it came here. <laughs> oh, right? the ultimate yeah. PR. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so they'll uh, they'll make their way down now, and uh, we'll talk to Derek Pitts in a few minutes here. It is as phallic uh, a space yes. <laughs> trip as I've ever seen. Ever been created. Yeah. Without question. But uh, So cool. it looks like it's um, the... Uh, the booster is already at five thousand, or yeah, it's almost at five thousand feet. It's coming down. Real it's coming fast. down at, at a circle. It's firing its rocket. Now it's at two thousand feet. That's how quickly it's falling. It's yeah. a full-on freefall. Uh, so now it's at five hundred feet. And now it's now it's boosters come on. the The rocket is on. Look at this thing. Oh my goodness! It just landed. Uh, the new Shepard landing. Thirty feet. Boosters touchdown. Welcome back, New Shepard. Oh. Looked like it was tilting for a second there, but a beautiful yeah. rock landed just Look like they designed that. it to. Y'all, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of audio going on at the same time. But... Yeah, there we go. We just got that the booster has landed. Landed right in a, on a platform that was designed for that. A circle, essentially a target, almost dead center in the target. And that's almost more impressive to me. I know. Landed. In that and, circle, but that's the whole the whole idea of this is to have the, these these reusable yeah. items so that you're not you know you can make it more accessible for more people. Look at this, we're watching the capsule. It's at thirteen thousand feet. I mean that's that's like half the height of of a commercial jet. So it's already yeah. most of the way down. And then after the, the uh, and it's in complete freefall. That's got to be kind of cool, falling like that. Stand by drone. Stand by. We're gonna need a doctor. So it's already at uh, 7,500 feet. It's good. So their parachutes ought to be popping up. So yeah, there we go. They're the, the stabilizing chutes. It's amazing. Classic three parachute. Well, the, the main shoes will come out in a second. Those are just the stabilizers, yeah. it looks like. So, um, but if I get so nervous right. watching this. Bam. So there you go. The main shoots are out. Oh, it's got pretty colors. There they go. With that. The now, that should have the, the Amazon it logo right. on it, right? Right. Of course, New Shepard has redundancy. If even one of those shoots were to fail, the other two would be plenty enough. Uh, but three perfectly good parachutes and yep. New Shepard and its first ever crew on its way to touchdown. All right. So it's Absolutely. at uh, 1,800 feet. So they went higher than um, the, the uh, Virgin Galactic, but they were up for a shorter amount of time. Okay. Uh, it is worth reiterating now um, that retro rocket will fire about a second prior to landing. But if the retro rocket should fail for whatever reason, um, it, the the landing is still more than survivable yeah. at 16, 16 miles an hour. More than survival. Yeah. It would yeah. still it, it wouldn't be fun, but yeah, yeah, hitting exactly. at 16 miles an hour. But We're yeah. okay. nobody. <laughs> We're totally free. Everybody. Everybody would live. Right. <laughs> retro rockets. So. Floating back down, I'm, I'm wondering... Less than 1,000 feet now. Ah, Jack Cameron, nice. Incredible coverage. I mean, that we're providing is what I'm saying. Uh, of course, yes. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I didn't want to say it myself, but... You seem self-serving, but I'll say it. We're giving cred- incredible coverage of this flight. Way to go us, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, to sit here, watch Blue Waffle launch successfully. <laughs> the real I mean, Blue Origin. 
feed. There's a drone, drone? between us. Who the drone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 250 feet. Oh, there's a drone. I have that drone. I got it on Amazon. Where we dropping? It's right there. All right, watch these rockets fire here. It'll be at like yeah, 20 feet. Successful touchdown. A successful maiden voyage for crew. That's awesome. And they landed. Yeah. And there you go. You can see this. That's amazing. You can see the astronauts now. Inside. <laughs> oh, what? Somebody, they should like do a cartwheel on the yeah, way out or yeah, something yeah. like that. I agree. Are we on what? They'll probably be in there for a while, I'm guessing. So there's a split screen that we're looking at, and it's streaming on YouTube. But there is a split screen of the booster, which is completely intact in the center of this circle that they had set up for it to land, and then the capsule's completely intact and looking good. Yeah. Of course, the four of them nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's pretty damn cool. Man. That is awesome. Yeah. Any so, word on? Uh, he's there, man. Derek All right. Yeah, Let's he, see if we can bring him up. There, if so. I speak to him, we will hear him. Yep. Mr. Pitts, are you there? I'm here. I'm hey! here. Hey! Derek Pitts, the chief astronomer of the Franklin Institute. How are you, sir? How are you, guys? I'm good. I'm good. How about that flight? Yeah. That was awesome. We, were, uh, we, we put the audio up, and we were live on the air with it, watching it the whole time, and was uh was very impressive. Quicker than I thought it was going to be, uh, but very, very cool. Yeah, it was really very cool. The great thing about it is that all of the technology worked according to plan. And, uh, you know, they had done 16 flights, test flights before. And in those 16 test flights, they were able to see to it that not only the rocket motors worked properly, but the separation system worked properly between the booster and the capsule. And also that the parachutes would, de- would deploy properly on time. Of course, that's really important. Yes. And then that last little puff right at the end to take the landing speed from 16 miles an hour down to just two miles an hour. And, you know, if you think about it, you think 16 is not so bad. But if you have a car crash oh, at yeah. 16 miles an hour, yeah, it's not too pleasant. So yeah. they really wanted to slow this right down. And I think, uh, you know, they'll be able to step out of the capsule and walk right around without any problem at all. So let me ask you, Derek, what... what um what kind of groundbreaking was done here today other than sending, you know, civilians of sort up into space? I mean, technologically, are there some things that are going to um, help improve space exploration from what we saw on the launch today? So what you saw today is proof of concept more than anything else. You know, they had this idea in mind of how they can get a technology to provide easier access to lower Earth orbit uh, with any kind of payload, even humans. And I think today you saw the proof of concept of that. So now what happens is the continued development of technologies around this particular rocket system, along with the SpaceX system, and let's not forget the Virgin Galactic system, the innovations that come out of that are going to feed into the NASA program so that that improves their capability for space access too, and exploring the rest of the solar system. Because don't forget, all this is feeding into yeah. building up the technology necessary to get us back to the moon and eventually to go on to Mars. So while you might not think of this as being part of that, that's one piece. But then there's one other piece that I think is really exciting, and that's using these technologies to shorten the length of time it takes us to fly from one part of this planet to mm. another part of this planet. That's what so I imagine yeah. going from imagine going from Philly to Hong Kong in forty five minutes. Oof. I mean, and that that's the mind blower because from the beginning, I know Branson has been uh, talking about that particular take on all of this as far as expediting, 
you know, intercontinental travel in a way that would be remarkable with that kind of time, as you say, to you know, to travel to Hong Kong. So all these applications and, and everything sort of laid fallow for a while. And, you know, we were all excited by the, the initial rush and push. And in, the, in that time from President Kennedy challenging the scientists to get us to the moon, the amount of things that were invented that we still use today... It, it was just massive. So to have these billion, and I know a lot of people is like, oh, it's just a, it's a vanity project and so on and so forth. From all these things, there's so much additional information being gleaned. So to me, the most, um, the most fascinating is obviously the trip to, to Mars with uh, Elon Musk. Uh, you know, with everything that we're learning here today and with what you're seeing, and, and I don't know if you're privy to anything beyond what we get, where, how, long, how far along is Elon Musk in his goal of realizing that dream? Well, he's getting much further along than anybody else's because he's building up the, uh, he's building up the capability needed to take large payloads into space. Well, right, right now, it takes multiple launches for us to put up enough stuff right. to actually build up anything. You know, it took us years to build the International Space Station. And what we really need is the capability to uh, take almost everything we need up to build an International Space Station or something like that in one or two flights rather than 100 flights. You know, so uh, his work is really pushing that, uh, that envelope along really, really fast. Derek, I have a two-part question. First of all, we're watching you. I assume you're in the Franklin Institute now, and if so, where are you watching, or where did you watch the launch from? I'm in the Space Command exhibit. You can see Space Command behind me. There's our great image of the sun, and you can see we've got a a rocket launch video of STS-135 behind me, and this is where I watched it from right here. That's amazing, and uh, we were just talking earlier about the ability to go see a rocket launch. Um, You know, you could go to Cape Canaveral and Wallops Island. Have you ever watched a rocket launch, and if so, uh, what was that like, and where was it from? Oh, I've seen several rocket launches. Um, Back during the 90s, I... So I have a number of close friends that are astronauts, so I've had invitations to rocket launches before. So I used to go down to watch the space shuttle launches. It's really exciting. It's spectacular because you've got this gigantic machine with all of this tremendous explosive power taking off of the launch pad. And, you know, for several of those launches, I had the really good VIP seats <laughs> right up close. Not the cheap so, seats, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Not the cheap seats, no, <laughs> the really good seats. Uh, but the other thing about it is, It's amazing that it takes such a short time for all this machinery to get up off the pad and out of sight. So I actually count my views of space shuttle launchings as being some of the most expensive travel per second (laughs) I've ever done because, you know, the flights back and forth to Florida because there was a delayed launch or something like that. And then finally getting to see the launch. But getting out of sight so quickly, it made, you know, the view per second really, really high. But I'd do it again in a minute. Uh, well, you know, to see like, a, of, and I, there was a documentary I think CNN had produced it about, uh, it was the Apollo 11 launch of the whole program. And they had uncovered this widescreen, very, for the time, high definition footage. It was just fascinating. When you see something like that, a rocket of that size in, in the Saturn, uh, Saturn, Saturn V, um, you know, take off. You're basically looking at almost like a, a, a building, as you know, take off at, at that level, and to, to achieve that that speed, and that's decades ago. The amount of coverage, yeah, that's decades ago, yeah, yeah. amount of uh, coverage, and like we we're just watching, they were getting drone shots of the liftoff that would only be something you'd see as a special effect in a movie. Now it's got to rock you know your world. 
Well, what's what's actually interesting about comparing and contrasting the two is uh, hopefully people have gone out to look for these. If you haven't, go online and find the slow motion film of the Saturn V launches where the camera is pointed right at the exhaust of the, yeah. uh, of the rocket as it's taking off. These films have been slowed down mm-hmm. tremendously, but the resolution is extraordinarily high. And the description is just mind-boggling about, you know, describing what's happening at that point. As you're seeing these huge sheets of flame coming out of the exhaust, the exhaust skirts of the rockets. So we had that from the Apollo era and also from the space shuttle era where you can see the solid rocket boosters firing and things like that. Nowadays, we have this really cool technology that's very much like GoPro cameras that are mounted on the exterior of the boosters that look down the booster as the rocket's leaving the path. So now it's as if we can travel along with everybody on board, uh, even almost sitting outside on the rocket, watching as the rocket leaves Earth. And you can see the Earth getting smaller and smaller so behind cool. as you get up Amazing. above the surface. That's that's really really cool. Uh, I think there's there's one other thing that uh, two other things that we should point out about what's going on with this stuff. One of them is that as we look at the development of commercial spaceflight, the development steps that we see uh, it, everywhere along the way, from the very beginning of this commercial effort to where we have come today, almost exactly mimics what happened with the development of commercial flight, regular commercial air flight in the early 20th century, mm-hmm. almost step for step. That's where it wild. Starts out as the I. It starts out as the idea of somebody who had this crazy idea about flying mm-hmm. to actually building, you know, uh, an aircraft that could do it. And then you prove it at Kitty Hawk with the Wright Brothers flight. And then the next thing that happens is they have to figure out a financial model for this. So they look to the United States government where they get contracts to fly mail. And then this aircraft get big enough to carry people. And then that turns into commercial air flight we see now. But what we see in the space world is that it- exact same development in commercial space flight step for step almost the same thing you mentioned the very cool to see that you mentioned kitty hawk and and uh you know uh, being able to get into aeronautics and so on and and if you look at the time frame between when that happened and when we eventually got on the moon in a short amount of time some amazing jumps forward in technology took place in a short amount of time um are we still doing that are we still able to accelerate uh, technological advances like that, and will we see more of that type of advance with uh, things like this taking place? In many ways, it seems as if you know the rapidity of those technological advances has slowed a little bit. Uh, but I think with the advent of commercial industry in space exploration, we're going to see an acceleration of that. Excellent. And I know that, you know, what we saw today is going to inspire some kids in grade school yeah. to want to jump in on this and get involved in this. And that's just going to be, that's just going to mean more innovation that comes out of this that then gets applied to the world we live in every day. Oh. So I think we'll start to see some of those upgrades uh, percolating into our everyday life. Which would be great. And all of these guys, you know, from uh, Musk to, uh, uh, to Branson, to uh, to Bezos, they've all said that the the goal is with this expenditure and with all of this stuff is to make space a reachable possibility for you know as you to to liken it to the to regular commercial air travel to the regular person to get out there. I was reading a story today about their plans to perhaps <laughs> hold 
you know, go up to the to the edge of the of of the atmosphere with a, some sort of balloon apparatus and have a wedding reception. <laughs> in, I mean, so, so if there's if there's innovate, I mean, it, it could be that. And so, you know, we I can assume we'll start to see a plethora of these types of things as we do this more and more. Correct. Yeah, it'll it'll be a new way to get high. (laughs) I'm just hoping that they'll create one where we can take all of the flat earthers at the same time and send them all up. (laughs) And then they'll come back down and go, it's round. Yeah. Mm. Uh, But, you know, you you actually have a really good point there. All astronauts say that once you get up into Earth orbit and you see the planet from space, it completely changes your attitude about human existence on the planet. You can't see any political boundaries from space. Yeah. And you realize that we are all together here on this spaceship Earth, and we do have to get along on this spaceship Earth there's, uh, because there's no other spaceship Earth for us. So, are you working any angle to get yourself up to space? Is are you as, as have any uh, have any favors been uh, put in, or, or what's the story? So, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. I've got some. I've, I've got some friends in some high places. Right. Uh, I've had I've had some offers, but I'm you know trying to pick the right one that'll fit just right for me. I, so, well, you mean we, which one? The wife alone. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you need a push, exactly from, right. from a, a goofy morning show to do that, we yeah. can certainly help get you, get the word out. But uh, that would be. I think I know a goofy morning show. That <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, yeah, nice. the, honestly, we would be thrilled for you to see that. Oh that would gosh. be that would be a wonderful thing. Oh, that's great. Day. I yeah. appreciate that. Thanks Excellent. a lot. Yeah. All right, Derek, you're the best. We love having you on. Thank you so much this morning for your hey, Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks, and, everybody. Absolutely. Derek Pitts, Chief Franklin Institute, and giving us the latest on Jeffrey Bezos. All right, with all of that behind us, we should take a break, come back in a second and get into the Bizarre Files. Yeah. We will do that when we return. Stay with us. Back in a moment. It's MMR's Local Shots. Artists of the Month. Hailing from right here in Philadelphia, it's Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves. I wanna be free. Hear them on the air every Wednesday at 6.30 with your host, Brett Porsche. Search local shots right now at WMMR.com for even more exceptional local music. Brought to you by Family and Company Jewelers. Find a band that rocks her world at Family. And the station that's always supported Philly's music scene. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Interesting story out of the uh, U.S. Open tennis matches uh, that are taking place. Yes, um, and I have to help me because I don't uh, I don't follow tennis. But Stefanos Sitsipas uh, is that how you say his name? Yeah, let's go with that. Sitsipas. Yeah, uh, he apparently um, was he was against Andy Murray, and um, he took a medical timeout, and then he took a lengthy bathroom break, and. Andy Murray's complaining that he took too long in the bathroom. Kind of threw, threw off his mojo. Yeah, threw him off. He said, yeah. it's just disappointing because I feel it influenced the outcome of the match. <laughs> he said, I'm not saying that I necessarily win that match for sure, but it had influence on what was happening after those breaks. Was he winning before this all happened? So Sitsipas won the tightly contested marathon match, which, by the way, it was like... It was just under five hours yeah, long. Yeah, crazy. Uh, crazy long. So he, uh, Satipas won the uh, the marathon match 2-6, uh, 7-6, six, six, 
366364 in four hours and 49 minutes. Uh, and the number three seed and the 2021 French Open finalist received medical treatment on his left foot after losing the third set and then went to the bathroom after winning the fourth set. Uh, Murray complained on the court about how long Sitsipas was uh, taking in the bathroom at the time and again once play had resumed. Uh, and Murray remained frustrated when speaking to the media following the match. He said, the issue is you can't stop the way that affects you physically. He said, when... You're playing a brutal match like that, you know, stopping for seven, eight minutes. You do cool down. You can prepare for it mentally as much as you like, but it's the fact that it does affect your, you physically uh, when you take a break that long. Well, multiple times during the match, he said. I think that uh, when he took the medical time out, it was just after I had won the third set. Also in the fourth set, when I had Love 30, he chose to go. I said, I don't know if he changed his racket or what he was doing, but yeah. Uh, it can't be coincidence that it's happening at those moments. He said, I don't believe his foot was causing him any issue at all. <laughs> the match went on for another two and a bit hours after that or something. He was fine, moving great, I thought. I'm surprised they don't have a, a time limit on bathroom breaks. Which, by the way, Satipa said that uh, he didn't break any rules and that he was yeah. changing his clothes in the bathroom. He said, I don't I don't think I broke any rules. I played by the guidelines. Right. How everything is. Uh, definitely something for both of us to kind of chat about and make sure. I don't know how my opponent feels when I'm out there playing the match. It's not really my priority, he well, said. I mean, yes, rules are rules and you can play within the guidelines, but... I, I just standard protocol. It's like, you know, like, so does did anybody else? Does anybody else on a somewhat regular basis do what this guy did? I don't know. You could say, okay, yeah, it's in the rules, but yeah, kind of being a dick, you know. Well, yeah, the fact that it was a marathon match, and and you know they were they were both run down completely, figures into it. But the you know I I, I do believe both sides of this. I believe it can throw you off. You get now. He's not saying he lost. Expressly because of this, right? He's saying it might have been a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's got a good point. I mean, you know, you get in such a rhythm uh, in any sport, really. But like when you have to take a break in the middle of a tennis match, especially you know more than halfway through, like, it totally throws off your rhythm. It, it throws off your like your body chemistry, your heat, it, like, everything that you've had going for the first few rounds. And, I agree with that. And but in the other guy's defense, if he had to go to the bathroom, he had yeah. to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And if you're allowed to take a break, yeah. take a break. You know? So you know, you know. Listen, taking a, a liberties with a bathroom run is 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 a standard thing. Man, I used to do it in school all the time. That's exactly what I was thinking. You just, I need all a break. And how long? I didn't you... have to go to the bathroom at all, mm-hmm. and I would ask to go to the bathroom and just linger in there for a while. What was your longest? Delaying the inevitable. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I was. Avoiding right. it was stupid for me to do it anyway. Can I make it to graduation? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, what was the longest you can you have a best I estimate? I don't remember. You know, nothing long, nothing yeah. longer than you know, like ten minutes or something like that. I, I never did good... that because I was always afraid that then when I had to go to the bathroom, I wouldn't. It, it <laughs> yeah, was like I'd already have let, used yeah. up my chance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you talk about beating the system, you know, my mom worked with a guy who would take his lunch break. And the second he got back from his lunch break would then go to the bathroom and hang in there for like an hour. An and like, hour? Honestly, it's yeah, ridiculous. I, I believe that. And I tell you what, so, so I'll go in and, and you know, um, I, I'm very regular. I'm so regular. Right. So I have my times and I go and, and that's part of the deal. <clears throat> and I'll go in. And then I'll maybe go back later on to wash my hands, and I'll see the same feet, like under a like the 
I'll see people that seemingly yeah. have been in the bathroom for an hour. But plus. this is like a like a one person bathroom, so it's not like oh, well, you know what I mean. So it's like obvious. totally yeah. Pl- it's way yeah. you know not as obvious and. Uh, and, you know, you don't know what that person's doing. He could have been taking a nap for all she knew. I've right? had friends that have hate, hated their jobs over the years, and they would take any opportunity at any point in the day <laughs> yeah, sure. to go uh, cigarette breaks. I mean, I had friends that uh, liked smoking more after the job than before they started there because it, the, the, the habit got them out of work for a little bit, and, and bathroom so, breaks were included in it. So it was just one of these things where, like, anything that they could do to get away from their desk that was allowed... They would do. You think there are people that have started smoking just so they can yes. have cigarette breaks? I, I know, yes. I know, too. Really? Because they hated just their on, jobs. Wow. And so it became this thing where they're like, you know what? At least we get 15 minutes outside during the day. Steve, what if you use candy cigarettes? Oh, yeah. Instead. Look, yeah. The sugar. It, it's lit. It was or an uh, episode on Friends. Rachel yeah. started Friends. smoking because she, yep. she said all the other employees got extra breaks because yes. they could go out and smoke. So she started smoking so she could get the extra break. And not only that, oh, Kathy, funny. it was a networking opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, you don't do a lot of networking in the bathroom, yeah. but I'll tell you this. I will guarantee you that the phone with all the apps yeah. and everything oh, yeah. has Almost significantly definitely. added to bathroom oh, breaks. you got something to do in there. Yes. You've got plenty to do in there. You're, right. My God, the world is at your fingertips in there. <laughs> you, know? you can actually conduct business. I will do that. I will do that at home. I will linger on the bowl and play Scrabble or How long? whatever I'm doing. How long oh, can not, you go for? Not a crazy amount of time. Like Paul Rudd in uh, This Is 40? Exactly. I'm yeah. literally in there playing Scrabble like he was. <laughs> Uh, but no, I don't. I don't spend a ton of time. It'll be just be an extra five minutes, maybe, or something like that. But I'm not one to linger on the bowl for a long amount of time. Number one, you, my legs start to hurt after a while. It's, so, it's, you know. it's bad for you, but sometimes you lose track of time. Now I have a there's a radiator in front of me in uh, in my bathroom, and there is so there's a cover over it mm-hmm. that presents me with sort of a desktop. Ah, and on that desktop, I have a uh, <laughs> an iPad. I don't use that much, right? So it becomes a little office where I can poop in my office chair. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, and so sometimes... That's a really good way to look at it. Yes, and Nick, sometimes yeah. you are conducting business right. and you realize that there's nothing left in your body to come out and you're just sitting there. Here's an interesting little rhyme. Someone texted over. It says, boss makes dollar, I make a dime. That's why I poop on company time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Isn't that Walt Whitman? Uh, I think it might have been yeah. Whitman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me go to, hang on a second, I'm going to go to Steve. Hi, Steve, good morning. Good morning, rock and roll. Rock and roll, Steve, what's up? I just wanted to tell you the story. Uh, when I was in the fourth grade, uh, me and a friend of mine would always excuse ourselves to go to the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> right. Just so we could fight. So you could fight? Time. Just so we could fight. Every you, day. Wait, you mean like an actual fight club based in the bathroom? Yes. Well, just me and this one friend. And if other friends happen to join in, then yes. I usually didn't fight my friends. Um, <laughs> right. Was this uh, like like play fighting, or were you guys really oh, kicking no. each other's asses? No, we we were we were knocking ourselves senseless. Like we come back from the bathroom with black eyes and busted lips. No, there's something wrong with you, Steven. It <laughs> was bathroom fight club. Don't talk about bathroom fight club. That's literally what that is. Yeah. Was fight, and were, was it just you two in fight club? Yes. Wow. And would the winner come back with, with, instead of a belt, a toilet seat over his arm? Right. (laughs) Why would you do this, Stephen? We don't know. We were in (laughs) the fourth grade. uh, So we just kind of thought it was just normal. Are you guys still friends? No, I actually can't even remember the kid's name. 
Oh, really? Oh, all that time spent beating each other senseless, and you lost that. Yeah, traumatic brain injury will do that to you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Possibly. Right. Back with this big, giant cardboard hat <laughs> and a black eye. Uh, Steven, did you guys ever get in trouble for that? Like spending uh, too no. much time in the no, bathroom? None of the kids ratted us out, ever. No, we never got in trouble. Wow. So okay. I remember sometimes, Preston, some teachers Thanks, would man. be on that bathroom break, like if you asked to go to the bathroom, which I never, virtually never did, like Kathy's thing. I said, I, I want to save this if I really need it. Yeah. But uh, they would watch that clock and you were, you know, they'd make sure you weren't away. And then my, I remember a science teacher I had, the kid, uh, I think the kid's name was Paul. He'd go off. We'd see maybe a year later. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, where did you go? Well, you remember summer school. Yeah. There's a, the one kid they saw on the first day, and the last day comes in to take us to the exam. He goes, where have you been? <laughs> and he holds up, he's like, his bathroom. And he, <laughs> my zipper got stuck. the bathroom, Kate. <laughs> my zipper got stuck. Zipper got stuck. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, I there there are people, I would imagine there are some, some work environments where that, the bathroom, is your safe haven. I didn't I didn't abuse it much, but when we, at our old radio station, Y100, yes. we had a single stall. We had it just, it was a, because it was an old apartment, essentially. And a carpeted floor. And a carpeted floor and everything like that. And you could, that that was, I'm getting away from everybody it was. for the next five or ten minutes. And we were building and the show, nice. so we were spending inordinate amounts of time there. So that was your little getaway, and no one, no one ever checked on that bathroom. No, let me go to Colin. Hey, Colin. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, Colin? Hey. So bathroom breaks for hours, hours and a half are regular practice at where I work. Hour you know, and every, half. Day, every day after lunch, my one coworker will go into the bathroom, and you can just always tell that he's going to be in there for a while. And it's always one of those things where he'll come out. And he'll be holding his stomach like, oh, yeah, man, I got to stop eating this Chinese food. <laughs> it was just like, duh, then stop using it. Like, obviously, if you're going to be, like, taking a crap for so long. Is he really doing that he's or is not. he just he's, lying? He's avoiding his work, Colin. Yeah. And, and do you guys ever call him out on that? Uh, frequently. You know, we have inside jokes about it where he just, you know, he'll come in and, you know, oh, yeah, no, he's going to the office. And then he'll wonder why he's not making enough money. And it's like, well... You take an hour lunch and then you go into the bathroom for an hour. What do you expect? Right, <laughs> it's two hours. Um, that's interesting. Now, listen, if you if you have uh, Crohn's or colitis or something like that, that's or, a medical or, issue. Uh, IBS uh, um, or IBD, uh, then yeah, I understand that you've got you've you've got to go in there and do that. But if you don't have medical proof that you have a, a regular problem, then you just you're avoiding your work. By the way, to that point, Preston, can an employer? If they notice that someone is in the bathroom for an inordinate amount of time, is that is that a it's got a, is that it, a violation? It has to be right because you, you do say, have people that have like Crohn's and colitis. It, I mean, you guys that's a legitimate it, reason. But it's no joke. Like I right. have a friend who does he he has to spend hours in the bathroom. Right. And it, it's 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 actually devastating because it's hard for him to go to work. He can't travel. He right. can't get on a plane. So you're terrified. You, you but, can't step into that territory. Right. Well, yeah, my daughter has it, so I've, I've I know exactly what what he's dealing with. But but I think Steve's question is as an employer. <laughs> 
Can you say, hey, Bill, come here for a second. Bring me a stool sample next <laughs> week. But that's what I'm saying. You can't, like, do you no. want to step into that territory and, uh, no. and, I don't know. and I, face I, somebody I, like that who does actually have an well, issue? Then, but then at least you, you understand that they're not shirking their duty. Right. They're, they're, they're having like their duty. Like this guy here who says Chinese food yeah. right. is his downfall. I, yeah. I almost feel like you have an obligation to at least Go let your... them? No, 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 to let your employer know that I have this, oh, yeah. this issue. Like, when you are shirking your responsibilities especially if you're if you're in a position or a job where if you're not doing your job then somebody else is picking up your slack like the place that my mom worked at this guy would sit in the bathroom for an hour hour and a half all the while somebody else had to do his job like that's not cool like i that is, like guess what when, yeah. like, i say this to my son all the time right. like nobody wants to do their homework but everybody's got, do it. Right. You yeah. just got to do it. We can fight about this all day long. But guess what? At the end of the day, yeah. you got to do it. And so whoever this person, like, guess what? Nobody really likes to do their job. <laughs> I was at I was at a a, a, a business <clears throat> recently. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and and my um, the, I I went to go use the bathroom, and it was there was an employer in there. There was an employee in there. One of the other employees was outside. Yeah. And I, I said, oh, okay, I'll come back. And and she kind of made the gesture like, with this guy, mm-hmm. you don't even try. Like this was the, uh, clearly the employee who dominated the bathroom. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go to uh, Sean. Has a similar story. Hi, Sean. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, what's up, bud? Got to work. Thanks, man. We got a guy in our shop. Uh, he's an operator for us, and this guy is he's been here for many many years and this is kind of the reason why we don't bother him that much but he will literally be in the bathroom so much that the guys in the shop have started calling the bathroom his office that's yeah it's yeah. a common yeah oh yeah gotta go over to john's office and uh and talk with him for a little bit well we can't say that but uh sean Sorry. question the question is is he really going to the bathroom or is he just just uh, wasting time. The, he's definitely wasting time. I mean, we're coming up on like an hour, you know, sometimes half an hour. Most of the time, it's about a half an hour. Does he ever come out with a movie review? <laughs> the one time somebody saw him with a uh, a newspaper coming out, we're like, seriously. Like, come on, dude. Well, the newspaper's standard. That's standard. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you're going to, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, even that, that makes sense. So you, you, you take a look at the headlines. When you're going in with a laptop <laughs> or, or like, like a, you know, like a projector, that's when people are going to ask questions. All right, so thank you for your call, by the way. Here's a text that says, uh, bathroom, sometimes bathroom stall naps at work are clutch. Bathroom stall. Have you ever taken no. a nap in no. a bathroom no, stall? No, and that's what I'm curious about. Yeah. Well, Kathy's just disgusted. <laughs> How can you fall asleep in there? It's just gross. Oh my god! But, but actually, to 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 be able to fall asleep in the bathroom or sitting on the toilet, no. I I'm, think if you were to sit now, now you couldn't do it with these toilets, but like the toilet that was the one you talked about in uh, Y100. Yeah, you, you can find a place to. Curl up you and face the other way and and cross your arms over. Right. Okay. Yeah, there was a sink. There was a vanity right there next you to go. it. There you go. You got to lean over and and rest your head like uh, like you would on a desk or something right. like that. But don't you get I, don't you get pins and needles after you a do. while? I you do. do. Yeah. yeah. But if you're absolutely exhausted, I mean, just wiped out. You you know you went out late the night before and maybe you had to. Yeah, I can probably see that. But if you're doing it on the regular, just uh, I'm going to go take my little siesta here. <laughs> right. 
I mean, think about how many, how much time you could burn off in the course of a day. Because we've all had those jobs that are just life sucking. Yeah, you know where. Yeah, you, I, that's the thing. Like there, there are a, a few different. Um, Avenues we could go down here where I'm like, you know what? Okay, I get it. That's not that big right. of a deal. Like, yeah, you know, get your rest or whatever. Uh, and that's usually like, okay, if you are doing this and you're spending an hour in the bathroom, if your um, your duties don't fall on somebody else's <laughs> duties again, duties, if your duties responsibilities like, like, don't fall on somebody else's shoulders, then like, okay, well, whatever. Then you know, that's that's between you and your boss. But when you are doing this and somebody else has to pick up your slack as a result, like, yeah, you're an a hole. Bottom line is. Be a big boy, uh-huh. be a big girl, uh-huh. whatever it is, do your freaking job. Kathy, are you in there? Pinch it off already. <laughs> Pinch that. Pinch it off and get back to work. Oh, my God. <laughs> just... Kathy, are you in here? Playing cable? Pinch that off and get back to work. But I wonder if that's something that they you can be approached, if it's becoming a problem and... and I. You know, yeah, I was if, just if curious. HR or a boss can say, no. "Listen, this is a little embarrassing, but I need to ask I you this." I don't think they're spending can... a lot of time in the bathroom. Is that necessary? I, yeah, <clears throat> I, yeah, I don't know, man. I think for fear of it possibly being something medically related, I don't think that they can come close. Yeah, think... do you have a poop issue? <laughs> no, I think you can volunteer the information and let your right, boss know, right. like Casey was saying. But like, if you, I don't think the boss can come to you. I think you, the employer, <laughs> if you're not doing your job, the boss can absolutely come to you. No, they, I'm saying yeah. because of the fear-related thing, because yeah. of the medical issue, that mm. they can't. Maybe you're having a very difficult period right now. Are <laughs> <laughs> you on the rag? Or, or a tenacious bowel movement? <laughs> Is your hand flowing down or oh you're just God. crabbing a river? <laughs> well, I can't ask this? It depends on the boss, really. <laughs> he really wouldn't know what to do if he could or not. I'm going to go to Justin. Hey, Justin, good morning. Hey, Gadzooks. Gadzooks, man, what's up? So, back in my younger years, I used to work overnight, uh, in a warehouse and you know working overnight stinks you know you get tired so i used to go into the bathroom i mean we had you know 90 employees there so it was hard to keep track of people but i would go into the into the bathroom stall and i would take my boots off and turn them well to face the front of the <laughs> oh my god you know the stall and right. i would sit on the toilet the reverse way and face the wall oh my god and use the toilet tank as yeah. a resting area to sleep on that was my oh, me- my methodology so funny you would actually take your boots or your <laughs> shoes off to make them face that way, yeah. That way, if somebody looked under the stall, they'd see my feet are pointing the right direction. Okay. But body was not. Couple of questions here. How long okay. could you get away with uh, taking a nap? Um, I, I would pass out for easily an hour. They would. They, nobody would know. There's so many people in that warehouse. They that's the key. That's yeah. the key. In, in a limited uh, employee scenario, that's going to be more difficult. But you said... Uh, uh, Justin, that you had about 90 employees? Oh, uh, yeah, all, all right. over that building. They couldn't keep track of you. Your right. managers couldn't. I didn't do it every night, but there were certain <laughs> nights you're just like, this ship sucks, I'm tired, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> and, and you, you know, and I used to work in the freezer, so I had this big comfy freezer suit on, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, none of my body parts touched the toilet. It was kind of padded. You know? Oh, my God. All right, so question, would you, uh, <laughs> wow. would you set an alarm on your phone or anything like that to wake up or just wake up when you woke up? 
Nah, I would just wake up, you know, as soon as, like, drool hit my hand. Then I'd wake up and go, holy crap, I'm getting back to work. So the drool from your mouth would wake you. Listen, well, so the longest you did was an hour? Did you ever exceed? Uh, I've gone past an hour, you know. Um, I mean. Do you, now, do you snore, Justin? Yes, I do. And I always feared that. So I, I think that's what the drool was. That was the pre-snoring. They were starting okay. to wake up, dude, get the hell out of here before they come in. I snore. You know, you can hear it, you know, three states away. So. Wow. Kathy? Um, right, wow, thanks, that's man. amazing. Appreciate it. Sure is. Uh, that's that's going to great lengths. <laughs> He's wearing like a freezer suit. Yep. He's got his system. The shoes are off. He's taking a nap. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh my uh, God. So, Nicole works in HR. Maybe she can, yes, maybe she can clarify this. You approach someone who either who you may be suspect right. of that is uh, this thing long, regular, or, you know, just uh, breaks all the time. How do you slalom that? Yeah. Hi, Nicole. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey guys, love you. Oh, thank you. you so much. So, how do you handle something like this? Um, we would, I would approach an employee and say, "Listen, it's come to our attention that you were stuck with bathroom breaks. If you have a medical issue, do you want to apply for intermittent FMLA, which is family and medical leave?" That's assuming the employer is ah. covered by that law. All right, okay, so, so, so Nicole, you, that's how you approach it, Nicole. So, yeah. just, just, I'm just, just curious. The very. So you are within um, legal rights um, to to approach an employee that you perceive as being excessive in their bathroom breaks and inquire as to the reason why. Well, we, I wouldn't necessarily ask them what the problem is. She's okay. Offering, offering. Ah, yeah. oh, there's the key. All right. Yeah. yeah so, Preston, so, just clarify. So you can you can okay, approach someone important. and and offer something. Yes. Not necessarily ask him. You can say this is available. Should this be necessary for you? By the way, we know you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but Nicole, who can do that? You as an HR employee or the boss? Um, usually, the supervisor would refer the employee to the HR department, and then we would discuss it with them. So yeah, okay. So the boss okay. wouldn't necessarily be able to do this directly, but someone in HR would be able to approach the employee. Right. I mean, the supervisor could say, listen, if there's a problem, you can talk to HR about, you know, getting, you know, intermittent FMLA. And I don't really, honestly, I don't know how that covers, like, just being away from, like, a production line for periods of time. Mm, right. It would cover them if they're missing work. Like, if they call out or they're late or something and it's related to that medical condition, they're covered. So I, I wonder, I wonder at, at what point, Nicole, say, if someone's... And it's a, I can't even imagine a horrible situation where you say you are a, a Crohn's sufferer, any, anything that might make you have to step away from, from work for a little bit during the course of a day. But, but is there a point at which the employer can say, I understand, but it's, this, isn't, this provides no service for me to keep you on the payroll? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I assume that's where it gets touchy because you can't... How do you negotiate that? No, I think in other words, if somebody's not doing their job, you can let them go. Right. But, I mean, so how does it work, Nicole? Well, I mean, if we have have documentation of a true medical issue, you do have to be careful. However, we do have employees. Again, we don't have an issue with people necessarily taking excessive breaks, but people who might appear to be abusing the time. Right. we can ask the doctor to recertify. Like, we'll get someone, oh, they're constantly taking off Mondays and Fridays, and it's FMLA-related. So we'll send a note to the doctor saying, is it necessary for this person to be missing Mondays and Fridays? Okay. Okay. And because then you can fall, if somebody does have a, uh, a medical problem, I can fall under the Americans with Disabilities Act, I assume. Right. Nicole. 
Right, that too, yeah. Okay, interesting. All right. You do have to be careful. No, right. and for, for both parties. I Thank mean, the you. employer and yeah. the employee, yeah. Yeah. Um, hang on a second. I'm going to go to Chris. Hey, Chris, good morning. Hey, how are you? Good. What's up, Chris? Hey, uh, so I just wanted to say I had a friend. Uh, he worked in a warehouse area, and there was a lot of trucks coming in and off, deliveries, a lot of pallets being unloaded, and he had an employee that was constantly going to the bathroom, like every hour, every two hours. And they had to get HR involved, and they talked to him, and they said, hey, you know what's going on? You okay? And the guy actually went to his doctor, and he got a doctor's note to prove that he had irritable bowel syndrome. Okay. And he had medical rights to go to the bathroom as often as he wanted to. Sure. Okay, well, that yeah, would make that sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 and to Kathy's point earlier about Thanks, uh, uh, people who have to... You know, to try to live their lives in 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 light of that, it's yeah, it's yeah. very difficult. It's the people who are going in there, yeah, and that are trying to get away with and something. turning their boots around. Yes, I mean, at some point he got in there and he, he zipped on. He's like, you know what? I can yeah. do this. I can make this work. I for can me. do this. You know what? If I gotta, if I take a snuggie yeah. and I hook it on the coat thing on the back of the door, I'm suspended up. Oh my god. You can't see my feet. Right. I wonder if he went it's like a sleep pouch. I wonder if he went to the lengths where he got like <laughs> boots that came up like mid calf. Sure. Uh-huh. So they're high enough. If you look right. under the stall, it would actually look like legs. As opposed to just shoes, you could clearly see hey. that no one's feet are in those shoes. Ed, why are you always wearing those thigh high boots? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a little. I mean, like that. Yeah, that length. Like, I mean, that requires it's shirking thought, responsibility. But it's but genius. Yes, yeah. it's thinking outside the box. You know what? We've been looking for somebody in management, Dave. Yeah. We like the way you think. Oh, my God. The oh, fact man. that you scammed us for years. Uh-huh. Let's put that Let's put that ingenuity it's to like work. It's like when a company hires someone who uh, hacked their computer yes. system yeah. to protect their computer system. Exactly. All right. Well, interesting. So it's all kicked off from this uh, U.S. Open match. <laughs> and uh, Andy Murray thought that uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas uh, was using a bathroom break to his advantage and, yeah. and maybe trying to get a little bit of extra rest. But uh, you can use... All right, one last call. And then I was wrapping yeah, up. he's been me, on hold for Let me go to Mike. Minutes. Hey, Mike, good morning. What's up, bro? Yeah, what's <laughs> up? <laughs> bro, yeah. sorry to bother you at work. Sorry to bother you at... Aren't you glad we went to this guy, Casey? <laughs> what's up, Mike? So I get to work... <laughs> Probably about seven o'clock, you know, just after you guys take commercial break, mm-hmm. you know, pull up. Well, first I clock in. Right. <laughs> you you, you have clock to do that. in. Yeah, clock in. Right. Not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so, clock in, pull around, take out my little bowl, smoke it. Oh, my God. <laughs> are you smoking right, right now? Are you, are you doing that right now? Yeah, man, I got the ball in my hand. Oh, my God. And, and you listen to us. Well, yeah, of course. Who yeah. else am I going to? <laughs> <laughs> so are you technically on the clock right now, Mike? Are you getting paid right now? Well, yeah, I'm clocked in, man. Okay. There right. we go. Yeah. Nice work by you. 
You guys are in the Hall of Fame. This is worthy. <laughs> well, we appreciate it, man. We appreciate it. I mean, it's it's a, it's a tough battle. You got to do what's right. You got to do what's wrong. I, mean, I don't know. Mike, by any chance, do you work for Beasley? Are you, are you one of our co No, he's an air traffic controller. <laughs> oh, my God. Actually, heavy machinery. Heavy machinery. Oh, heavy machinery. Oh, okay, great. he's sitting in a bulldozer out in the park. Which state is he working? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Uh, yeah, so. All right, well, is it, show, we is love it, you, is it, man. Is it, is it time to get into work now, Mike? I mean, you guys taking a break? Or yeah, what? we're going to take a break. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Head in, buddy. Take, right. it up to the call. take it up to Hollywood trash. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll see you, man. Have a good day. All right, on that note, we should take a break. Let Mike get to work. Please, Mike's got to get, he's got heavy yeah. machinery to operate. All right, so we're going to take a break. We'll come back in a second. We'll get some bizarre file stories, so make sure you stay with us. Is your phone an app hole? You know, full of useless apps taking up space. Well, get rid of them and get the WMMR app. You can listen to us wherever you go, get important alerts, and so much more. Because, after all, the world needs less apples. Preston and Steve. Their name is their address. On, on the web, PrestonandSteve.com. Football's back, and this Eagle season, there are huge prizes to be won at Acme. Enter Acme Swoopin' and Win Sweepstakes, and you could win up to $10,000 cash or 2024 Eagles season tickets. And all you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at Acme Swoopin' and Win Game.com. Acme makes sure Eagles fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in to discover why football is better at Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles. Free diamonds. Steven Singer is giving away free diamonds. You don't want to miss this. Everyone who purchases an engagement ring will receive a free one-carat lab-grown diamond. You must be thinking Stephen only sells real natural earthborne diamonds. Well, you're right. But Stephen will never sell a lab-grown diamond, but he will give them away. Nothing says I love you less than a lab-grown diamond. Don't be fooled. Buy real natural earthborne diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. Steven Singer Jewelers. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or in a showroom at the other the corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly while supplies last. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. We've been mentioning all morning long tickets for the MMRBQ. Yeah. You can get your tickets. Uh, the lawn seats are just 25 bucks, and we want you to get on board because we want you to be there for all of the bands and all the activities that are taking place. We're going to have Aaron Jones, who we just played, uh, Dorothy, uh, Mammoth, Wolfgang Van Halen's band, Mammoth, yeah. will be there. Dirty Honey, Cheap Trick, The Offspring, and the band that this gentleman is in, who is joining us right now. We're so excited to have Jane's Addiction on the on the uh, uh, the bill. Yeah, like I said, I've seen them before. I saw them at the Spectrum ages ago. Amazing, right? Blew me out of the water. One of my favorite shows in that building of all time. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nabar yeah. hey. our show today. Good morning, Dave. Hi guys. Hey, thanks for coming thanks. on. Thanks for having me. That's a very nice welcome. Uh, it's our pleasure, man. Like I said, yeah, I've, I've seen you guys before. I know the kind of energetic show that you bring and uh, that, you know, you you guys get the audience in on the party. You you make it happen. And it's been a while since we've partied, Dave, so <laughs> big expectations. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, big expectations for me, too. I got to tell you, the other night, you know, L.A. is starting to open up and and have indoor eating and dining and things like that. And I went to a restaurant the other night, and it was overwhelming. 
just yeah. people and noise and things going on and plates being dropped. And, and then I thought forward to our show coming up in September. I was like, Man, I'm not even prepared to be in a restaurant. With <laughs> <laughs> baby steps. But you know, you know what I mean? Like, what yeah. is it going to be like walking out on like, a festival audience with you guys? But I'm, I'm excited to do it, man. It's been a long time. So, well, the, um, the way we're pretty psyched. The way it's progressing is that so the, the show is, at, you know, it's at the end of September. So, again, uh, everyone's sort of feeling their way. It's like the, the cobwebs are lifting and the doors are opening and everyone's looking above ground. And by that time, I think we're going to be in a nice swing of things. But I can't think of a better scenario, especially since it'll be a little bit cooler in September. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, the roster's great. And I've never, I, Preston's seen you guys a number of times. Uh, and I've always wanted to see Jane's Addiction. And this oh. is, people are freaking out. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm also super excited to see Wolfgang of Band. Yes. Yeah, yeah um, we've, we've been talking yeah. quite, quite a bit about that, David. I, w- I want to get your take on this because... Yeah, we, we, the, the music that we've heard so far very impressive. I, you know, yeah. he had a lot to live up to, and that's another thing. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the best because not only is he a young musician trying to make his way, but I, I need somebody to carry on that Eddie um, um, uh, uh, legacy. Legacy. The Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that's got to be a tremendous amount of pressure on him. I assume. I'm sure he's gladly uh, going to take this on, but um, you know, it's got to be a, a weird position to be in. Yeah, I would imagine the best thing for him is to acknowledge that and be aware of it, but to just do his own thing, man. Yeah. He's his own human being, and, and like he's got his direction musically. And from what I've seen, it's, it is very different than Van Halen. It's a little bit more, uh, I don't know, more modern rock, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's fantastic, and, and, you know, I, I want to see him. I want to check out the band, and I'm going to do everything in my power <laughs> To not tell him how much your dad meant to me. It's hard though, right? You know, it's going to be impossible, but you know, you know how hard that's going to be to not do. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just I, I hope the best for him, and I and and I'm I I typically don't get to uh, when we do these festival shows. I typically don't get to them early. But I'm definitely going to come down and check out Wolfie, and and uh, and I'll probably check out Cheap Trick too. Because Xander's a friend, and I played with him a bunch of times. And a weird side note for me is that I think the first concert I ever went to was Cheap Trick opening up for Kiss. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the 70s. Yeah. And so so, uh, to be on the same bill with them as Cheap Trick and as Jane's Addiction is a pretty big deal for me. Just in terms of, like, you know, having a little personal... uh, clash with my own history, I suppose. Well, Dave, I have to tell you, I had my upper thigh felt at a backyard uh, pit, a barbecue to a Cheap Trick song in the wow. 70s, so yes. I don't, means know that a lot. Can, I don't know that we can top that experience. <laughs> I mean, that was good. Hey. <laughs> Dave, at least you had that. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, you know, with, with the length of time it's been since uh, musicians have, have had a chance to do live shows, I mean, you can, you can pick up the guitar and you can play it and you can keep your chops going, uh, you know, just doing a little rehearsing here and there and writing whatever you may be doing. But is there a difference between um, being, uh, you know, keeping the instrument fresh uh, and and being on stage? Or do you have to get your stage legs together, essentially, is what I'm asking. I mean, I think, I don't know. We've been doing it for so long. And, yep. you know, believe it or not, Jane's Addiction has historically taken years off, years of hiatuses. And so... Yeah. 
yeah, we're just coming out of COVID, and yeah, it's been a while since we've been on stage, but we are ironically very used to getting back together after years of not doing it. So right. hopefully we are experienced in trying to make it look seamless uh, once we get back on the stage. But um, usually when the first downbeat happens and Perry gets into his trip, it's pretty easy to get lost in that environment and just kind of go back to second nature. Yeah. You know, fortunately, a lot of these songs have been with us for 30 years, you know, so it, it should be pretty, pretty seamless. Well, you know, that, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, Dave Grohl has this um, special coming out about uh, the van life, uh, uh, that, that uh, oh, yeah. evolutionary period of a band. Um, yeah. Was that, was that you guys? Was that Jane's? Were you guys doing oh, yeah. that? Okay. Oh yeah. We, uh, our first tour was, in a van with the entire band and the one crew member that we had and all of our gear in a U-Haul behind us and like literally taking turns driving and just freezing and sick <laughs> and hating each other and in close quarters. And when you do get to a motel, you all share a room. Like it was, it was, you know, the early days were rough stuff. Well, I was surprised to find out when Dave is mentioning when, when Nevermind came out, they, at, at, this album is out. It's starting to hit. They're still in a van traveling yeah. to shows. It is, you know, this is a groundbreaking <laughs> record. This is huge. This is rock and roll history yeah. right here. And they're still driving around a van. When when nothing's shocking, were you guys still doing the van thing when that came out? We may. I know that we had a couple of tears. Okay. So we went from we went from a van to what we thought was a great idea, which was a Winnebago. Okay. <laughs> so it wasn't quite a bus. It right. was a Winnebago. It was literally like a mobile home. And um, uh, we broke out a window. One of the side windows got shattered somehow. So we were literally touring around the East Coast in the dead of winter. Oh, no. With just... <laughs> Freezing cold, <laughs> seventy-five mile an hour wind just wafting through the Winnebago. You try to tape One. up like a trash bag or something. <laughs> well, you try, you yeah. try, yeah, you try everything. It just, and then finally, at some point, you're like, F- it, "We'll deal with it." Oh, and we and we just, um, yeah, we just sat there and like dealt with it. But I, I think that you know, I think there's something to be said about those old days that like we yep. really, I don't, I don't know that. Um, we would be the same band without them. You know, we really it. had to, I mean, there were gigs. We were coming, we were putting them in vans and we'd pull up to the club and we would load out and load in our own gear ourselves. So it would be, it would be like a Jane's addiction show. Thank you. Good night. And then start winding up cables and yeah. putting guitars in cases and trying to push your amp off the stage, to get ready for the next band. I was, I, a- I really appreciate, I really appreciate having had, oh. Those experiences, as much as I would never want to do them again, yeah, I think they really they really taught us how to be a band. I was in in my twenties. I, I was a band guy. I'm a drummer, and so just a couple of last year, I was like, I, I got together with some guys. We, we created a cover band, and we went out. We played some gigs, and I tell you what, Dave, on that first <laughs> night, that first night at three o'clock in the morning, when we're putting the last bit of crap back into the <laughs> into the van, I'm like. What the hell was I thinking, man? <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's a little different when you're 17 yes. and you're pushing stuff in the <laughs> right. Like, yep. right now, like, my lower spine cannot handle It's just not going to happen. Dave, no. uh, we're able to, to zoom with you right now. And looking over your shoulder, is that a, a cuckoo clock up on the wall? And if so, uh, what's the story behind that? Actually, there's probably 12 of them in this house. I collect them. 
Um, cool. <laughs> it's just it's just a weird thing. And you know, cuckoo clocks. When I was a kid, that was like in cartoons. That was the symbol of crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if someone was crazy, you'd see a little cuckoo <laughs> or a bird would come out. And I just kind of came with this whole uh, embracing. I do a company called Dual Diagnosis, which is a it's a it's it's an art slash clothing company that's that's geared at lifting the stigma of mental health issues. Right. And um, you know, there's a whole story behind the cuckoo. I don't know if you know about it, but if you look inside that box, it's all complicated gears and springs and coils and wires. And there's this little bird that's trapped in there. It can't fly out because it's held down by these weights. Yeah. You see the weights that hang down? Right. Which which could be, uh, you know, it's emotional baggage, for instance. And so <laughs> until it drops that baggage, it can't fly and reach its full potential. Wow. And it's locked in this confusing box that's making it crazy. So, yeah, I collect them, and then we also use them uh, artistically throughout the dual diagnosis uh, company, and and, wow. and, well, that's- and that's spelled D-U-A-L diagnosis. We dualdiagnosis.com. Well, I, I never realized there were so many metaphors attached to a to a cuckoo clock, but I, but I, I think I think that I invented them, but, <laughs> they, but they work. But they but work. that's good. I can completely see that because I, I'm fascinated by little mechanisms and the and the. Yeah. Uh, the artistry of that stuff, animatronic things and all of that. Have you yourself ever designed a cuckoo clock? Um, I designed what I called a cuckoo clock wristwatch was when I took that clock and I duct taped it on my arm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that counts. This is a crazy watch. But um, no, I've never, I'm not a tinkerer, for instance. I I love watches. I love love components. I love things that are, that work like that. But I mean, these things... You know they're 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 kind of ge- they're kind of genius and and the implications like the the humorous implications that they contain are are kind of funny and and you just don't see them anymore. But if you look around my house, like I think there's one over there. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, there's like there's like a there's one there. There's one on the other side. So there's like 15 of them in here. That's but cool. the best part is that they're all set at different times. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Throughout the day, <laughs> just a different bird is coming out. That's great, and That's it awesome. literally, it will literally drive you insane. Awesome. I mean, if, it, if you're not insane already. Put up five cuckoo clocks. <laughs> yeah, you know, my sister's actually obsessed with uh, with cuckoo clocks as well, but she does not have one. Maybe that is a good gift for me to get for her. It's a it's a great gift, and they and they you know the the. Uh, they make them battery operated now, but the ones that are really special are the ones that are handmade that use the actual weight system to have the time tell time. And even the pendulum has to be hung at, at the right length. Otherwise, it's going to oh. either tick too fast or too slow. Okay. So there's, it, they're very complicated things, but uh, they are interesting to be obsessed with. Fatal, fatal <laughs> I, get, I, compl- yeah. I completely get it. Yeah. I do but- not expect to be talking about those. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're not going to expect to talk about this either. Are you wearing a Snuggie right now? No, right now I am wearing a, uh, just, it's a, it's like a hooded cape. This is like for, for, uh, outdoors, outdoors life, That's ceremonial, cool. cer- ceremonial outdoor life. And, uh, it happens, to be, it happens exactly. It happens to be 7am here in LA and I'm just, I just happen to be freezing, <laughs> but I will tell you this. I am not opposed to a straight up Snuggie. Yeah. No, why would you be Dave? Who would, who would you say between you and you and Perry, you guys are artists to the core. Yeah. Who's, who's a little more quirky in their personality? Is it you or Perry? We both have uh, a lot of 
I guess, independent thought, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I would say that, uh, you know, just being, I would say Perry, just because being a front man of a band like this and having to have, uh, that sensibility and be on every night and deliver every night. Like I get to turn around and hide behind the guitar and like get lost in my instrument, mm-hmm. which I love, you know, cause I went, I did a solo tour in 2000 and, um, I just came to learn that I didn't love it. I didn't love leading the band. I didn't love being the lead singer. I didn't love the eyes. I didn't love the pressure. And Perry can do that really well. And and he, in fact, loves it. So I would say that there is a component to his personality that allows him to be that extroverted on stage and, and do it with authority and conviction. So I don't know if I would say he's more quirky, but I would say that, uh, he has what it takes to front a band yeah. you know, uh, better than better than most, I would say. And I think along with that kind of mentality, you've got you've got to have some you've got to have some walls down, you know, to allow yourself <laughs> to be that raw in front of people. Totally. And while at the same time having certain walls up, you know, so that's I think it's a microcosm of some kind of very strange dance that goes into being a lead singer. Mm. And uh, you know, I he's as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the best frontmen that, that that have been around in the past thirty years. Is it hard speaking to that point about um because you 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 uh, you know you let a lot of you out you know with your love of uh, of uh, like, you know the tattoos and, and artistry and the the, the cuckoo clocks and things mm-hmm. things that are that are part of you. Is yeah. is it hard when you are in the public eye the way you are? And you're talking about Perry being more up front and being the front man, but you are a personality. You are a pop culture personality. Is is it hard to know? Uh, I, I'm going to keep this just for me. You know, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Where you're not always revealing oh, stuff about you. Oh no, no. I mean, things that I like and things that are interesting to me aren't really revealing anything, and it's right. like those aren't like personal deep personal issues that I, whether or not I like cuckoo clocks, I better keep right. that to myself or I feel exposed. It's, it's too personal. <laughs> like I don't, I don't feel, yeah. I don't feel exposed. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've also, I've also taken it upon myself and, uh, years ago, like I've done, I wrote a book and I put out a documentary that were about very difficult things in my life. And, and, and I think that the, uh, the, the intention and and hopefully the joy of that was to help others feel less alone that we're in similar situations, whether it's, whether it's grief or trauma or drug addiction or any of the things that I've been through, you know, it's, uh, I I like to, I like to share with people that there's an alternative way, you know, and that it is possible to, to get past that stuff. And even though the, the demon of addictive behavior may be with you for your life, it's about channeling that addictive behavior into an area that can be healthy for you. Well, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I'm uh, sober for nine plus years at this point, and I just nice. know that it was important for me to uh, see and interact with people who were living a sober life, a happy and content sober life. But then there were also other people that, you know, like musicians, Trey Anastasio uh, being one of them. I'm, I'm a fish head. Uh, you know, he had been sober for a couple of years at that point when I saw, I'm like, okay, here's, here's somebody that's doing it. And you, uh, I was able to gain strength through them. And, and so when you do that and you're, you're outspoken about whatever struggles that you have gone through, there are people out there that, that really do um, hold on to that and gravitate towards that. Yeah. I think, I think the one thing that I would say is that, you know, the company I'm running, Dual Diagnosis, is all about mental health. 
I put out a book that was about my drug addiction. I put out a film that was about my mom's death. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it does resonate with a lot of people sometimes, you know, if they've, if they've got similar circumstances. But, you know, at the same time, I'm not a doctor. And so yeah. those people will come to me personally and say, I'm going through this and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, look, I already told you what I went through and how I dealt with it, but I, I can't advise, yeah. you know, like a doctor would. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's, you know, you need to find a team of your own. But I think that um, that's not the tough part. I think, I think, I don't really think there is a tough part to it. I think that as long as you're comfortable with who you are and what you've been through and, and that, you know, behaviors can change. Yeah. I mean, really, that's that's yeah. all we're, we're doing. Like, I may not be doing drugs anymore, but, you know, now I'm in line at one in the morning at GameStop waiting for the, yeah. for the next thing to come. Dude, out. all right. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> exactly, I mean? like, that is the right way to think about it. We have, yeah. we, we all have the same doctor. He's kind of the, um, he's on TV in, in, uh, here in Philadelphia. And he says, I, if I have to, I will write you a prescription for a video game. Because, you know, because that, that's the stuff. To get that joy of something that doesn't have, you know, like you say, you're not smoking crack. You're, you know, this is something you're something into. Something that's not going to kill you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That you can get passionate. Like, I love living through other people's passions. And, and it, it excites me to revisit my own. Your cuckoo clock thing. Or you're just <laughs> the different things you talk about. Um, you know, that that to me is is something that people, they sometimes seem reticent to allow themselves, well, it's just crazy. Should I really collect that or is that so? Do it, you know, because we, we, yeah. we just don't think that way a lot of times. Well, ultimately, ultimately, we're all here for very, you know, however long we're here and we are ultimately going to dissolve into the universe or yeah. some, whatever happens. Right. So, like, yeah, do what you love. As mm -hmm. long as it's not hurting anybody else or yourself. Yep. Like there's really, you know, that this life was given to us for us to enjoy. Yeah. And um and I really feel strongly about that. And 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 frankly, one of the things that I enjoy about life most is being able to perform with this band and like yeah. to come out and do that with you guys is is what is that, the twenty fifth, September twenty yep. fifth? Yeah. That that's I'm I'm super pumped about that, you know, and that's you know, I wouldn't be able to do that had I stayed on the path I was on. Right. So yeah. it, it's all to me. It's all, uh, you know, this. I'm in. I'm in the. I'm in the bonus round. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I unlocked the little part of the game that allowed me to play in another room. Yes. <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, Dave, we're all excited about that as well. I, I wanted to ask, so every Tuesday we do a thing. It's called Tattoo Tuesday, and we give away a free tattoo every single Tuesday. And as a result, I mean, we used to do it here in the studio, and as a result, we've had several contestants and, and winners of Ink Master in our studio actually administering oh, okay. tattoo, which is really cool. Uh, is Ink Master coming back to Paramount Plus by any chance? Do you know? You know what? I honestly don't know. I heard that they were picking it up. Up. That was the last I heard of it. Um, the only thing that I can assume from not hearing anything is that they're rebooting it with a, re a new cast. That's all I know. That's all you so, know. All right. I mean, well, I mean, I, in fact, I don't even know that because there's been very little dialogue. So I hear that Paramount Plus is going to pick it up. I guess they started a new streaming service. Yep. And um, but I, I don't know. But I will tell you what's very funny about that is that Ink Master was a show that, I mean, it, it was on 10 years ago. I mean, it's hard to believe it was a decade ago that that started, and we did 13 seasons. And then during the pandemic, uh, Paramount sold a couple of seasons to Netflix. So now it's on Netflix, but these are old episodes. Right. But what that, what that did was that opened us up to a whole new audience that yeah. had never seen us 
And uh, I started getting messages from people who were angry at me <laughs> for certain for certain people who got sent home ten years ago. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, they wow. think it's, they thought they thought it's it was just me. now. Uh, yeah. F- you for sending Josh home. <laughs> he was the one. Like f- you. Like, oh my god! Josh, yeah. I don't even know what you're talking about. That's crazy. But, um, people get very people get very passionate about that. Do you, I hope that when you give out tattoos, do you is there one artist that you use, or is there a resident there's a shop. artist? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. there's one, a shop. Yeah. We have one shop, several artists within that shop, and uh, there's a guy named Troy here who is um he's a big name in the uh, tattoo industry in Philadelphia. Actually, he. He is um, responsible for a lot of the tattoo conventions all across the country. Yep. Uh, so, okay. uh, yeah. So he has a, a lot of guys that, and he's also super generous. So, uh, do they get to do they get to decide what they are getting, or does it have to be a WMMR? <laughs> they, they, no, they they do. Have to, they have to include On the throat. <laughs> <laughs> they have to include us in there somewhere, and it can even be very very subtle. That's all that we ask. So, right. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. All all the the, the the rabbit in the uh, you know the, the Playboy, Playboy cover, cover it can yeah. be very discreet. So yeah, some are more subtle. You want to know something <laughs> funny about this? Do you see this? Oh, yeah, that's the uh, Playboy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So here's a quick story. I was I was doing an interview with Hugh Hefner, and Hugh Hefner was talking about how the the bunny. Well, first of all, it started out. It was a stag. It was supposed to be a cartoon of a stag. Okay. Right. And the sense. night before the night before the release, he couldn't sleep. And he got up in the middle of the night and called the designer and said, I hate the stag. you got to come up with something else. So they scrambled at all, at all hours of the night and landed on this bunny, which then became the most iconic thing, wow. uh, you know, in terms of branding. Wow. Huge. And he went ahead to tell me that it is probably the number one most tattooed logo of all time. The Playboy Bunny. I believe it. Wow. Yeah. And so at that moment, I said, has anybody in the history of, of tattooing this bunny asked you for permission? And he said, no, actually, nobody's <laughs> ever asked. And I said, well, then let me be the first. That's- Is it okay with you if I get the bunny tattooed? And he said, absolutely. So I have the one and only Hugh Hefner sanctioned. <laughs> wow. Like, I wouldn't have gotten this otherwise. But yeah. the fact that, you know, I was like, oh, what do I yeah. care? I mean, like, but the fact that Hugh sanctioned it and gave me the okay, and I'm, it's the only one that exists that's like that, was pretty special. That's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's pretty cool. awesome. Excellent. Uh, Dave, we're really excited. Uh, not only that you, you guys are playing the show, but that you took the time to join us on the program this morning. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. I'm looking yeah. forward to being out there. And are you guys going to be at the show? Oh, oh yes. yes. Absolutely. Oh, yes. I, won't, I would not miss your guys' set. So I'm, We'll I'm, come I'm, back and say hello. Will okay. You? For sure. Absolutely. Thank you so All much, right, Dave. We'll see you in September. Dave pleasure. Navarro. Yeah. Yes. Oh. How about it? Wow. Nice He's awesome. Guy. Super nice guy, and I bet you he could point to every single tattoo and tell a story <laughs> like that as well. But you're playing right here. I remember Preston when I first heard this song. I was like, "What's Whoa! that?" Yeah, Whoa! yeah. I remember the video was yes. was weird and and uh, the, uh, it not uh, typical of what was on no. MTV at the time. You know that uh, I didn't want to ask him too much. I didn't want to go uh, to the downer thing, but his his mother was murdered. Yeah, wow. when he yeah. was fifteen years old, his mother and her friend were both murdered by her and, boyfriend, her ex boyfriend. And it 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 kind of um, 
you know, that's kind of where his his drug and alcohol addiction started to uh, take roots. And he said he wrote a book about that. Yeah, yeah. There, a, a uh, movie about, about, yeah, about his mom. Okay. Well, he wrote a book about his addiction. They um, they found him the the murderer. I guess he was on the lam after the uh, the murders um, through America's Most Wanted. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Man. Fascinating guy. Super nice guy. I think we just became best friends with. I him. think we yeah. did. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll come back in a moment. Stay with us. It's an MMRBQ weekend. Pit Party Edition. Listen for your chance to win your way up front. And we really mean right up front. As MMR puts you in the pit to see Shine Down, Billy Idol, Larkin Poe, and Aaron Jones, Saturday, September 16th at Freedom Mortgage Pavilion. Plus, sit where you want for the GA half of the day. For Dirty Honey, Finger 11, Tiger Cub, and local shots artist, Vixen 77. Text FINALLY to 39333 for a link to all the info and another chance to win tickets. MMRBQ 2023. Eight great bands. The return of the Preston and Steve side stage and more. Don't miss it. Tickets start at just 25 bucks. On sale now via Ticketmaster. 93. 3WMMR. Everything that rocks. Now, WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Final. Improve the comfort of your home and lower energy bills with a PGW Energy Sense rebate. Up to $1,400 in savings with new home heating equipment. Learn more at PGWEnergySense.com. A former Seattle resident is accused of dumping human body parts in Arizona. 59-year-old Walter Mitchell moved to Scottsdale earlier this year. He ran a company called Future Gen X, which managed cadavers for medical research. On December 26th, around 20 human limbs were discovered near Prescott, Arizona. The next day, a hunter found two human heads. He was trying to get a leg up on the competition. <laughs> no rim shot? I was looking. There okay, it is. all right, so <laughs> deputies arrived and confirmed what he had seen, and a follow up search revealed three more human heads. He was so, trying to get ahead of the competition. There you go. Um, yeah, so I assume, isn't there something that you get at home that you could just put out by the street, like a recycle bin? Yes. Maybe. Investigators were able to link to separate your heads. Uh, the body parts uh, found at both sites back to Mitchell. Mitchell now faces 28 counts of moving human remains with the intent to conceal or abandon them. Police in Seattle helped Arizona detectives determine that Mitchell left Washington with the remains of five uh, decedents. Uh-huh. Sheriff Scott uh, Masher said that he made the case a priority because it might have involved a serial killer, but it turns out it's this. Uh, Mitchell was arrested in Scottsdale and booked into uh, booked into jail for that. Have you noticed that when you leave body parts around a certain area, the first thing that's always assumed is that it's a serial, serial killer. killer? Come on, man. There's more to the story yeah. here. But I'm curious as to why this guy felt he had to go to dispose of these body parts if there was nothing illegal, you know what Unless I mean? Unless he was trying to cheap out on something or there was something he was trying to save cost-wise. Otherwise, it seems dumb. I agree with you. And that's a long-ass drive from yeah. Seattle to Arizona. So Especially when you have mailing services. Yeah. Well, how about this? New York City man cut off his penis and part of a test school and threw it in his apartment's toilet. That'll show him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, officers were called to the apartment of a 50-year-old man on Staten Island. My pants just aren't hanging right. At about uh, There's yeah. an inch or two right, right next to where your nuts hang. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> after 
They were called uh, at about 11.45 a.m. when his roommate said that the man had cut his own arm. Upon arrival, the 50-year-old man told... Crotch down where your nuts hang. It's always a little too tight. Uh, the police found... Let's see if you can't leave me about an inch from the, where the zipper uh, ends round uh, under my... Back, back to my bunghole. Bung <laughs> <laughs> LBJ. Yeah. Uh, so, upon arrival, the 50-year-old man told police that the wound on his right arm had been self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Police sources said the man then told EMTs that he had cut off his penis and thrown it in the toilet. I kept one nut. The, e- <laughs> the EMT workers confirmed that the man's penis and one of his testicles had been cut off and was missing. Officers reportedly found a large quantity of blood in the bathroom on the second floor of the apartment. Where's all this blood coming from? It's unclear, however, if police were able to find the man's missing genitals or whether they had been reattached. Do you know what word I don't like? Aioli. (laughs) He just thought he'd throw that in there. The man apparently told police he was both, he was both bipolar and schizophrenic. Oh, okay. Well, that was... And schizophrenic, and he hadn't had his medication for several months prior to the incident. I, I would take the medication. Uh, there have been previous instances of men committing acts of autofrustration <sighs> while apparently suffering uh, or from from being bipolar or a schizophrenic. If you ever, have you ever nicked down in that area, say, oh, if you were yeah. grooming, and mm-hmm. you you know the amount of blood that's generated, could you imagine no. that you cut off the, your unit and a nut? A report <laughs> stated that the man had used a shaving razor to commit the act. Oh, my God. I hope and, it was a safety razor. And that he told officers he did it because, quote, I have no need for it anymore. Uh, the man had been put on suicide watch in 2017 after telling jail workers that he suffered from schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and had wanted to hurt himself. I wonder if he had like a Kevin moment and slapped on some <laughs> cologne afterwards, Preston. Ah! Ah! Yep, little one moment of regret there. A Florida man who wasn't on fire is charged with a felony after police say he sprayed himself with a fire extinguisher in an attempt to dry himself. Florida State University police found 54-year-old David Mann in a parking garage Tuesday night with an extinguisher and covered in powder. <laughs> he thought he would dry himself with that? Because he thought it blew air out or something Help, like help, I'm not on fire. Police say Mann told him that he had been drinking, oh. fell asleep, yeah. and then fell in water when he woke up. He said he was trying to dry himself off with the fire. I, what he probably thought is that it would blow air out. And, yeah. Like, yeah. He didn't realize that it also has a fire-suppressing chemical in it. Interfering with firefighter equipment is a third-degree felony. <laughs> Man was still in jail on uh, Wednesday night when the story was uh, reported. You know what would have dried him off? A big-ass fan. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, then... Uh, <laughs> Nell, go tie tie. I had to yawn. <laughs> I have a couple of great stories up here. You know what? It's weird. This time, this time of day, Yeah. usually in music news, even though I am far from, like, bored or anything right, like right, that... Yeah. I will. I have a hard time to keep from yawning <laughs> while I'm reporting the story. Well, listen, that's uh, <laughs> Cronkite. Walter Cronkite used to yawn all the time. Yeah, uh, so sent from Dallas. <laughs> it's a journalist. I, it's not a commentary. It's a very, it's a very important story. All right, here we go. One more story. Uh, this is pretty messed up. I don't Apollo know. Apollo Eleven is. Um, <laughs> Crews have suspended their search for a driver after a truck crashed off. Robert Kennedy is. Is that standing by Sirhan Sirhan? Oh, stop it. 
Also go tie-tie. Um, this is one last story. Here we go. This is a terrible story, but I'm going to end with it anyway. Crews have suspended their search for a driver after a truck crashed off a bridge Ooh. and into the Chesapeake Bay in southern Virginia on Tuesday morning. Uh, the crash happened around 8.30 a.m. on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, connecting the Virginia Beach area to the Delmarva Peninsula. Officials said the truck was headed north on the bridge before the second island uh, when it went into the water. How far, how high up was it? That's a, that I don't know, That's Steve. a pretty high bridge. Uh, the Virginia Beach Fire Department described the truck as a 20-foot box truck while the Coast Guard called it a tractor-trailer. Witnesses reportedly saw a man get out of the truck and drift towards the west. Uh, Coast Guard crews searched approximately 178 square miles of multiple crews, and they didn't find anybody. Uh, we're looking at a picture. What's that high up? No. Uh, the truck was loaded with Duke's mayonnaise. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, but listen, there are, there are times when I'm, I'm going over bridges and I'm like, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if I if, if a car slammed into me, if I would, if the, you know, if the guardrail would hold, would you go over the side or whatever? And uh, apparently it can happen. So, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right. And there you go. That's what I have in the Bizarre File this morning. And we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Who's playing where? When? Answer your Philly concert inquiries at WMMR.com. All the shows that rock, all in one place. Just click on our always up-to-date concert calendar at WMMR.com. Get social with Preston and Steve. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And coming soon to OnlyFans. I'm kidding. Football's back, and this Eagle season, there are huge prizes to be won at Acme. Enter Acme Swoopin' and Win Sweepstakes, and you could win up to $10,000 cash or 2024 Eagle season tickets. And all you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at acmeswoopinandwingame.com. Acme makes sure Eagles fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles. Window Nation, you feeling the heat, mm, are you? High temps aren't the only thing that are getting you hot under the collar. Wait till you see those energy bills. The solution, call my friends at Window Nation for new energy-efficient windows. And right now you get 50% off any style window. Bows, bays, double-hung sliders, 50% off. Plus zero down, zero payments, and 0% interest for 24 months. And this week only, you can receive an additional 10% off. 866-90NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we sent you. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. I want to double back to a bizarre file story that I had uh, just a little while ago about um, a button that was pushed <laughs> at the Mass Transit Authority yeah. in New York City. Happened back in August. And apparently, it's one single solitary button that you can push that pretty much shuts down the subway system for the most part. Right. And it was supposed to have a protective thing. Cover over it. Cover over it. And apparently that came off at some point and nobody thought to put back on. Like, why would you have a reinforced cap for that? And somebody accidentally pushed it and it shut down the subway system and there was all kinds of trouble with it. As you can imagine, it was very, it was out of control. Um, And a couple of Things here. Do you remember we did this a while back? Yes. There was a button you you weren't sure. Kathy always wanted to. Uh, oh, yeah. curious as to what, what it did. It was in the hallway. It was in the hallway. Oh, and it made like a like a yeah, sound this, when you hit it. But other than that, we never found out what no. that no did. Idea. 
uh, then make that beep noise. We but... always had the impression that, like, over at B101, the entire board was shutting down <laughs> when you pushed. You should always just curious what that was. And it reminds me also of, uh, do you remember Joe versus the Volcano? <laughs> yes. In the beginning, he works his mundane job that he hates, and there's a, uh, there's a valve, and it says, do not touch on it. And he quits his job, and he's like, you know what? And he goes over there, he starts turning the valve, and nothing happens. He's like, I've worked here for eight years, and I've always wondered what would happen if I did that. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, you know, anytime somebody sell- tells you, don't touch that. Like, you're like, well... I know. Well, I kind of want to know. Now I want to do it. I was at um, uh, Wingsfield in uh, one of the small, like, Cessnas or whatever it was. And, like, you know, the guy was showing us around. And, uh, you know, he says to me and Jace, jokingly, don't ever touch this or don't ever pull this if if you're in the air. And I'm thinking, well... Well, I kind of want to pull it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not really, but yeah. like, so the so the entire you know the entire time you're looking at it like, well, what happens if I pull it? What right, happens if right, I pull it? right. I know it's just don't temp- touch it, don't go near it. It tempts you. <laughs> it's I think it's an innate quality in a lot of people to just. Hmm. And I wasn't focused on that before, yeah. but, but like that all works under the premise that you'd be sitting in a plane randomly tugging on switches and stuff like that. Now the other conversation to have besides I've always wondered what that does was is the conversation of. I did that, and yeah. oh my God, I didn't know this was going to happen, and I kind of have a little uh-huh. bit of a story <laughs> yes. that goes along with this, and I've told it on the air uh, throughout the years. If you've listened to the show, you may have heard this before, but I was working at a restaurant, and I was a dishwasher, and I was moving some uh, boxes that were stacked up in the corner in the very back of the restaurant, and they they were stacked up to about eye level, and I'm pulling these boxes off, and I guess as I reached around... I my finger must have gotten caught in this handle, this latch, whatever you want to call it, and I was pulling a box. And as I pulled the box away, I realized that I had pulled the fire suppression system oh, no. for the kitchen. Now, oh my god, it was it was a large button with a with a loop on it. And what you do is you would grab the loop and pull it, and it would. And so when you pulled it. There was a cord that was attached. The button actually came out of a hole and pulled away from it. It was like a hand grenade, And there was a cord that was attached to it. And so I pulled it, and the cord came out about three or four inches. And the suppression system didn't go off. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And so I'm like 17 years old, okay? Oh, my God. So what do I do? I push the cord back in there, and I (laughs) stick the, the, the button back all the way in. And I never said anything to anybody. Wow, you came that close to setting it off. Yeah, but... (laughs) Oh, no. This poor guy, man. Uh Another guy probably my age. He was also a dishwasher. And he he hadn't been working there as long as I had. And so he was, uh, Steve, working on the Hobart machine. Famous Hobart mixer. He was, yeah, but he was using it as a as a um, uh, a grater. And he was grating cheese. And you had to push down this handle to push this big block of cheese in there to grate it. And so as he's doing it, it's back in the corner by this thing, and he leans back, and he puts his shoulder against the fire suppression system, and it went off. Oh, what'd you do? Oh, my God. (laughs) Were you there when it happened? I was there when it happened. It's very cool to see it happen. It was really cool. It made the biggest mess in the world. Oh, man. Because it's right over the fryers and everything, and just this cloud Oh, no. Of powder goes everywhere, and oh my like God. so much so, I mean, it's like this rushing avalanche of powder running through the kitchen, and I, I didn't say a word. No, I didn't I say anything. <laughs> it was totally my fault. I did it. Do but, you think? Oh, I feel horrible this day. <laughs> I should have. 
I should have said something to the manager at the time. Dude, I pulled this thing. It didn't set off. You know, you may want to have somebody take a look right. at this. But I was 17. I was scared to death. So yeah. you go to the manager and say, you should fire this guy. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> Clearly, you not know. Is reckless. I, I think he was pulling a prank. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If he I doesn't know. have respect for you and your business. <laughs> oh, man. And, dude, and, the, and even worse... Okay, so it was like an hour before the end of my shift, okay? So clearly they had to close the kitchen. They had to close the whole restaurant. Yeah, you can't. And then it was cleanup time, and I'm like, dude, I I, I have to leave? (laughs) Because it would have been an all-day hard clean. It was my fault, and I left. School of Hard Knocks, buddy. You did it. You clean it. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Oh, I still feel total guilt to this day for that. Is the restaurant still around? No. Is that guy still around? Oh, I, no, I, I, I don't know. He went on a killing spree over the pain that he suffered from. I have from. no idea. Wow. But, but yeah, here's here's a text that came in. It says, uh, uh, like the note in Apollo 13 that Kevin Bacon stuck on with David says, do not touch. Do not touch. What's this for? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but that's it. It also comes pressed into unplugging things. Like if you're on um, my 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 uh, brothers-in-law are on oh con- I have a story about that contractors too. and you'll be on site and they'll have you know like a, a power strip right and somebody I'm going to plug this in and unplug that and they they have countless stories of they're in the middle of something a piece of machinery that's very dangerous and it suddenly stops or starts I got another story oh for great it. yes I was working as the music director of WKBQ in St. Louis and I have my own office I have the music director's office at the music library you know, sure keep all the CDs and all that right. stuff at that time and so this was pre-internet mm-hmm. okay this is pre computers as being as ubiquitous as they are but I did have a computer I used it to uh, schedule the music for the day, right. the programming logs. It's a part of my job. And so I, the the computer was on all the time. And I'm like, you know what? I should turn this thing off, you know, because okay. it's running it all the time. Can't be good. It's on all the time. Yeah. So there was a box on the floor next to my uh, computer screen, my monitor, and I'm like, well, I'll just, yeah, I'll just turn it off. This has to be it. Yeah. Okay. What'd you do? What I didn't know, it was the server for the entire sales department. That's awesome. That's great. I turn it off, <laughs> thinking I'm doing a good thing. Saving some power. Yeah. People had unsaved projects, oh sales God. pitches, and... <gasps> Oh yeah, Kathy, gone, <laughs> gone, and I, I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know. So you, my hands up in the air. They came in, our engineers freaking out. I'm like, I didn't know. I thought that was just for my computer. I turned it off. In your oh defense, why would yeah. a switch that could do that yeah, be in my be office? Sitting in your office. I don't know. Um, I was periodically throughout the day uh, taking Ben FM off the air and didn't know it. Oh, yeah, I fixed it and they went back on the air. This is a long time ago. Never told anybody because uh, I fixed it. Uh, but also, there's someone here who completely erased like operating systems on a bunch of computers. Like, I'm not saying who it was because that person's great. But. Um, yeah, just and it was like it, it. It took a little while, like you know, a week or so, whatever. To, but it had to come in and like 
put it all back on and it, it didn't go back on the way it was and so now it's like a different system and there's a different uh, procedure in, in when you ha- the way you have to do things. Yeah, it was like uh, a pretty big deal. Um, <laughs> hang on, let me go to, we have some text messages and uh, some phone calls. I'm going to go to Colin. Hey, Colin, you're on the air. Good morning. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yo, buddy, what's your story, man? Hey, so uh, I had a client discharge a firefighting foam unit over a big containment tank and uh, it ended up costing them about $15,000. The next day, we're done cleaning up. We get all of our equipment out of there. I'm on my way home, and I get a call that a contractor bumped the button again and discharged the entire unit. Oh, they reset it, they clean it up. And yeah, boom. It, was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And it was it was foam too. So even when we got it in the truck, it was coming out the top of the truck because we had no way to suppress the foam. No. Unbelievable. So so Colin, they ended up uh, we're looking at thirty thousand dollars worth of cleanup. Oh yeah. Easy. Jesus. And all the man hours to, you know, yeah. on their end to clean it up. It was horrible. Yeah, everybody's going to get paid to be there and clean that up. Wow. And that t- it takes hours yeah, and hours to do that as well. So that all yeah, costs money. Wow. All right. Thanks, Colin. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Uh, here's a couple of text messages. Uh, this one says, uh, my daughter pulled the fire alarm at the Camden Aquarium. No. The entire place had to be evacuated. It was the dead of winter on the oh, Delaware, and I just went uh, with my kids. Oh my god! I was, so that happens a fair amount. A lot, a lot of times, or at least they used to be, a little bit more reachable and enticing for for kids. I, I mean, did it in high school. I did you up, by accident? Yeah. And it, it sounds stupid to say by accident, but it really was. I, I put my hand in the thing. I thought it was like. Four steps. Turns out it was three. And so I put my hand in the thing, and then I start to pull it down. And that's all you needed to do. But uh, I thought, well, there's got to be a third or fourth step involved. This, yeah. They pro- probably make this difficult. It can't be this easy. And, <laughs> I, and I end up pulling the fire. And the alarm starts going off. I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, I did that. <laughs> why would jackass. Why would you make it easy to alarm people to a fire? <laughs> you did something similar in college, too, right? With the fire extinguisher? No, no, that was uh, drunken on purpose. Okay. Yeah, that was just a dumb <laughs> night with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> oh, totally man. Here's a text from uh, intern Ben. As you could imagine. Just oh, yeah. uh, he says, um, when I was at uh, Temple Radio as the chief engineer, one of the students called me freaking out that the console kept turning off and on and thought it was broken. When I went in, it turns out he just kept kicking the power switch on and off with his foot. Wait a minute. As you can imagine. You can kick the power switch with your foot? No, it may have been like a, a strip. It was probably plugged <laughs> oh, into a strip. Because that's a bad place for a power And he's sitting there, you know, t- clicking it on and off and not even realizing it. Oh, man. Oh, you've, and you feel like such a jackass. Here's another one that says, as a toddler, I pulled the fire alarm on Christmas Eve at church. <laughs> on Christmas Eve. <laughs> when it's packed. Yeah, not a heavy time of year. They had to evacuate the whole church, yeah. and my parents rushed me out. But here's the kicker. No one knew it was me. And I'll bet you never said anything either <laughs> till now. When it's on a scale like that. Like, you know, we don't really know what happened on the Hindenburg. Right, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that was know. just a fire. Yeah, it, was, it must have been uh, people against the Nazis or something. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. This one says, I evacuated the Independence Center, but it doesn't say why or how. Uh, yeah, if you cause an evacuation, <laughs> that's not good. 
It's, I mean, honestly, and it, listen, with all these things, that's why you, you can go to jail for, for pulling a fire alarm, and, and it's it's an act of... Uh, well, people can panic uh, yeah. and get hurt. And get killed, yes. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that's nice. Like, yeah, sure, let's open it up. Did you ever cause an evacuation? <laughs> Feel free to give us a call, 215-263-WMMR. I'm going to go to, yeah, let me go to uh, Kenny. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, brother? Oh, man. My son lives in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> so I went down to visit, and me, him, my grandson, and my granddaughter, we decided to go into Dallas. He says, oh, let's go to Dealey Plaza. Okay. All right. So we go to Dealey Plaza. We're walking around and looking, you know, walking around. Okay, here's where JFK was shot. There's the building. There's, you know. So we go in. They, they have tours yeah. in the book depository building. So we go in there, and it's crowded as hell. So we decide oh, we're not going to wait around. So there's a building right next to it that's a, that's joined by a little tunnel that goes through a gift shop, and it takes you into this lobby of a, uh, an old office building that they turn into apartments. Real nice. So we're, we're standing around. There's nobody in the lobby but us. All of a sudden, I hear this snap, and all I heard was, Oh, no. Oh, man. I looked up at my son, and he looked at me, and I was just like the roadrunner, you know, where he goes, meet, meet. (laughs) (laughs) I was at that door. I'm laughing my ass off. Now, I don't condone this. It's a very serious thing, calling fire alarms. But here's a a two-year-old kid. What he did was the the box for the the cooling alarm, it was a handicap box. So it's lower. It was lower. Yeah. So he looks at it, and I heard that snap, and I just knew what it was. And oh, then no. that went off. Man. <laughs> you, just, you just completely left the whole area, left the tour, left all of it. Man, I shot at air like a bat out of hell. Oh, that's oh, funny. Sure, sure. sure. I, mean, I, I understand the reaction. And we were two blocks away. We were two blocks away by the time the fire trucks got there. Oh, I my said, God. I said, well, what are you I said, dude, I said, you want to go back there? Go ahead. He's not my kid. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah. But a two-year-old, they would have given you a pass. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Right, yeah, thanks, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, Appreciate it, buddy. it's a serious thing. It probably was, but I wasn't sticking around to find I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, text message. This is our winner right here. And it says, uh, I was a White House intern. <gasps> I accidentally evacuated the West Wing in the old executive office building. Is that Um, real? I guess so, and it does not. Did you ask him to call in, Nick? Yeah, it's a, a reputable source. So we're. I think oh Marissa's actually calling right now. Yeah, she is. Online Marissa has her ten. on the uh, oh on the line. My God. Preston, she's on the line. Okay, hang on. Which uh, okay, yeah. Online, let me yeah. let me go to Zoe. Hi, Zoe. Good morning. Hi, Preston. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Oh, Zoe, you poor thing. Okay. <laughs> There you are. Tell us what happened. Um, so I was a student at GW, and I was a White House intern, and I had a blue pass, so I was able to get into the West Wing. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically, so I was a stupid freshman, and I was dating this guy, and all of the phone lines are basically monitored um, in the area for suspicious phone calls and activity, and my boyfriend at the time uh, called um, 411 to get the phone number for Domino's because it was, like, late at night and we were had the munchies, 
and he was drunk, and he said to the operator after she gave him the number, because that's when you, like, talk to an actual person on right. 411. Yeah. He said, uh, oh, and by the way, I'm going to kill the president. No. Oh, why would he say that? God. Why? That's before he hung up. Yeah, I was a real moron. So basically what happened is that <sighs> less than 10 minutes later, the Secret Service stormed his parents' house in Livingston, New Jersey. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. Stormed our apartment in the Statesman, which was two blocks from the White House. And, um, and yeah, they evacuated the West Wing and the entire old executive office building where the vice president. Zoe, Zoe, listen, honestly, even, even if you were just from a, from a, from a residential home anywhere to finish off a call to say, and by the way, I'm going to kill a president would present a whole host of issues. What compelled this guy to say Uh, it? we had some issues after that. <laughs> yeah, let's say so. So what? Let's were you? Say were you? That was the end of my internship. So what, not only that, were you charged with anything? Was he charged with anything? Just absolute, complete stupidity. All right, I thought they would go harder on that. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, I think they would have had they known. Had they, you know, yeah. had it been somebody with, you know, this might listen. I, I'm, we're not even friends anymore, so I can no. say for certain that this person wasn't completely there in the first place. Okay. Wow, Zoe, do you ever do you ever uh, run tabs like through Facebook and see what this guy's life ended up like? Oh yeah, actually, he was on. I saw him on television uh, about a year ago. That can't he be was good. On he was on like Married at First Sight. Uh, <laughs> this dude. Is- Oh my God! Does he work for Domino's now? <laughs> oh, you know, it just drilled down the fact that he hadn't changed that much. He was still pretty dumb. <laughs> still oh pretty dumb. God, Zoe. But he's an incredibly successful real estate agent in Manhattan. I'm giving way too many clues. I'm sure there's a million people that know who it is. Wow! You know, he has that that kind of uh, that wow get to it attitude that phones in <laughs> death threats to the president. I would have, Zoe, you're, I, you know, the moment you, when you realize something bad has happened, like the blood rushes yeah. from your head and you get lightheaded. You know, when he hung up the phone with 411, I was pretty baked at the time. And I was just kind of like, that was really, like, funny. Huh? I wonder if, if anybody would ever, you know, think that was serious. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like literally less than... Ten minutes went by before we were up against the wall. To oh. be honest, I'm glad to hear that response was that quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. my, 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 my wow. brother was Secret Service for years, and 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 uh, yeah, that you especially it's like it's the worst of an '80s slasher flick. The call is coming from within the White House. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And we were literally two blocks away. From the White House. Oh, two blocks. All right, wow. Washington campuses. It's on the exact same street, just two blocks down. Jeez. That's outrageous. All right, Zoe, thank you so much for sharing that story. That's crazy. Hey, have a great day, All right, you too. We'll see you later. Oh, my God. I'm surprised they didn't go harder on a man for that. Oh, man. Uh, Okay, hang on a second here. There are more really good calls coming up here. I'm going to go to Joe next. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, Joe? All right, so it was like a weekend job. I had to help my friend run wires, uh, alarm wires at NASA down at Cape Canaveral. Yeah. So he owned an alarm company. So we were running wires in this in this ceiling, and I was holding the ladder for him. 
And as I'm holding the ladder for him, I'm looking ahead of me, in front of me on the wall, and I see this crazy meter. And it was a CO2 meter. And I said, hey, look at that. It had like a screen in front of it, like a metal uh, stainless steel little screen on this. It looked like a thermostat. And I right. said, well. So I got close to it, and I inhaled and exhaled into it. And the, and the, and the numbers dropped. I was like, wow, look at that. And he's all he's up in the attic. I mean, he's up in the ceiling <laughs> doing his thing. I'm being like a dummy down there. And I'm just like, hey, look at that. I made it move a little bit. And then I, went, I did it again, inhaled, and exhaled really hard into it. And the alarms went off. <laughs> and all the lights went on. And I was like, oh, my God, did I just do that? And I was like, he's, and he comes down. He's like, what the hell is that? And I said, oh my god, I was just breathing into this thing, and these, and this, all the security people ended up coming into the building, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh man. So it, obviously, uh, it was a, uh, a carbon monoxide detector, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, and so I guess it was almost maybe lack of oxygen. It had noted set it off, and therefore set off an alarm it, because Jesus, yep. oh my yep. God! So, and it was in the cryogenics lab at NASA. It was <laughs> the, like, the, I was the just, cryogenics I was just, lab. It was. This was back in 1992, and I was just, you know, I'm like a science freak, and I'm like in this lab thinking, like, I love this place. This is awesome. And what did I do? I just messed the entire thing oh up. Oh my God! But oh, they, dude. But they, I guess they just figured it was like a glitch. They evacuated the building, and, and you know, I didn't I didn't admit to it. That's, That's incredible. Hilarious. All yeah. right, thanks, Joe. NASA. I appreciate it. All right, so, all right, we've evacuated NASA. Yeah. We've evacuated the White House. There's no way we're going to beat those stories. Vatican? That maybe yeah. That'd be up there for yeah. sure. All right, they, let me go. Oh, no. This is so much more intense than I ever thought. Look at this one, Matt. Hey, Matt, good morning. <laughs> Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Great, man. All right, so you caused an evacuation? I did. What happened? So it, it could have been worse. So oh. think of it that way. All right. So I was working for a company that does uh, weed suppression. And to give you an idea how big the company is, we use trucks with 300-gallon tanks on them. Wow. Okay, I've stuff to spray, spray weeds, weeds in, with. In, in industrial areas. Okay. So I was at New Oyster Creek Nuclear Power Plant. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not going to go well. So we sprayed all morning. It was lunchtime, around lunchtime, and the tank emptied. So I said to the guys, hey, I needed to fill up my tank while we're eating lunch. And the guy says, oh, go over there by the maintenance building. There's a hose over there. I'm like, guy, if I use a garden hose, we're going to be here for like two hours waiting to fill the tank. I need a fire hydrant. Okay. And he was like, oh, okay, use that one over there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I start filling up the tank off the fire hydrant. Well, all of a sudden, I start seeing people running out of the maintenance building, which is right next to That's what we cool the reactor with. That's the water we used to cool the reactor with. No, what was it? The fire suppression system is based on water pressure. So I had dropped the water pressure within 5 PSI in the nuclear power plant. I'm setting off the fire suppression system in the nuclear power plant. Oh, my God. Did, was the entire facility evacuated? Because the <laughs> suppression system didn't go off the power in the actual reactor. Those pe those people had to stay in there to maintain the reactor 
but the whole entire rest of the property had to come oh out of their God. buildings and evacuate their buildings. Well, you, you you had things working in your favor. You had people, you had the, one of the guys who works there t- pointing you towards that hydrant, and you had two security guards from the facility <laughs> who were watching you. Were you in the clear at that point? I, I thank goodness, because when the guy came running from the maintenance <laughs> building and screaming, cursing at me, I literally, you know, he's like, Using a lot of expletives. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> uh, you know, he, I said, he's like, why are you using that fire hydrant? I said, because that guy right there told me I could. <laughs> so he looks at that guy, you know, and then starts going on a tirade from that point on. And then says to me, well, just so you know, from now on, you cannot use a fire hydrant within the fence line. Okay. So I became, I became the only contractor that was allowed in Oyster Creek nuclear power plant to go in and out of the fence line without getting my truck uh, inspected every time okay. I went in and out of the fence wow. because I had to go outside the fence line back to ACPL's <laughs> station to get water every time I had to refill. I, I, could you imagine, though, if uh, after this, you know, the people are running out, all of a sudden, like, uh, the the tornado sirens in the yeah. entire country yes. uh, oh, start going yeah. off and evacuations <laughs> all around a 15-mile radius or something. Yeah. Oh, my God, Matt. That's crazy, dude. Did they Once they found out at work that that happened, what was that like? Oh, my God. Oh, because so I called my boss. I actually had to put it in a report, and my boss saw it. You know, the next morning when the when the report came through on his desk. So the next time I had to go back up to the office because the office was out in Pennsylvania. So I didn't go there all the time, but I went there like two or three weeks later. I, the entire office of all the managers <laughs> were literally howling, laughing at me. Of course, yes. <laughs> it wasn't your fault. Oh, yeah. Well, because the funniest because the funniest part was I had to go. With this job, I had to go into some really sensitive places. Like, I tried to just drive into, at the time, this is uh, a year post 9 11, mind you. Yeah. So things are still fresh, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Raw. I tried to drive straight onto um, Naval Weapons Station Earl in (laughs) Jersey because I've been able to get onto Port Dix. By filling out a bunch of paperwork. Well, I tried to drive on to, to Naval Weapon Station Earl, and the, the woman looks at me and goes, and she was a wonderful lady, and she, she looks at me and goes, oh, honey, this ain't Fort Dix. You ain't getting out here without a lot of paperwork. Right, right. Because literally it took two months for me to get my security clearances to get onto the base. Yeah, you're the you're the fellow that tried to blow up the nuclear power plant. <laughs> I recognize your name. I know you. You tried to blow up the Orange Creek power plant. Man, your nickname from there on should have been Meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> so it became like this running joke with the company that I, you know, I had all these issues trying to get into places because I screwed up nuclear. You know, nuclear oh power my god! Plant. But again, it wasn't your fault. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> 
being my fault. That's a great story. All right, Matt. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Well, that's that's. We'll see you. That's wow. NASA, the White House, and a nuclear power. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, those were totally worth it. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Well, listen. Those of you who are on hold right now, I apologize. That we're not going to get to your call, but we just can't beat those. And thank you so much for calling in. We do appreciate it. Uh, that's, yeah, okay. So, yeah, this uh, this all stemmed from that story that it came out um, in August in uh, New York City where the, a good portion of the subway system was shut down because of one button. One button. One button that the, uh, the protective covering on it was snapped off and somebody accidentally pushed it. <laughs> now, what they don't know, if it was, I wonder what happens if I push this. Yeah. Or if somebody bumped it or whatever, but there was human error. Uh, that definitely was a cause of that. So thank you for the calls. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't expect all of those stories. No. Man, oh, man. Um, all right, listen, I want to take a break. Come back in just a moment. Stay with us. It's an MMRBQ weekend. Pit Party Edition. Listen for your chance to win your way up front. And we really mean right up front. As MMR puts you in the pit to see Shine Down. Billy Idol, Larkin Poe, and Aaron Jones, Saturday, September 16th at Freedom Mortgage Pavilion. Plus, sit where you want for the GA half of the day. For Dirty Honey, Finger 11, Tiger Cub, and local shots artist, Vixen 77. Text FINALLY to 39333 for a link to all the info and another chance to win tickets. MMRBQ 2023. Eight great bands, the return of the Preston and Steve side stage, and more. Don't miss it. Tickets start at just 25 bucks. On sale now via Ticketmaster. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. Our guest is on the line, our first of three that we have here. He's been in our studio before. It was such sighting day. Great time. A long time ago when he came by here. Uh, but uh, we're happy to have him on once again. And he's promoting... A project called We Live On, which is a live virtual production, and it's a series of shows, and we're going to get the nitty-gritty from him. Please welcome Mr. Tim Robbins to the show. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. How are you doing? We're, we're doing good, man. Tim, I, I mentioned you, uh, you, know, you, you paid a visit here to the studio to refresh your memory. It was about that time that you were only doing haikus on Twitter, I think, <laughs> <laughs> if you remember that. Yeah, oh, the good old days. <laughs> the, the good old haiku days. <laughs> Before all the hate and vitriol. Right, when he, it was fun, he, it was young and innocent. And that's the charm of a haiku, it limits you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, listen, we want to hear about this project. First of all, really interesting that you guys are doing this, a, a pay-what-you-can uh, approach, which means that you pay whatever you feel that um, you're able to handle, you can yeah. handle, or what you feel this deserves. And can you tell us a little bit about that before we get into what it's all about? Well, it, it, they're kind of connected because the, okay. we live on. It tells the story of uh, 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 the people during the depression, and so we thought, well, we don't want to really charge uh, money for people that don't can't afford it. So, right. if you if you're broke, if you're busted, and you need to. A little uh, humanity. It's uh, it, it can be for free if you need it to be. Cool. Okay. Well, and and I think this is perfect because uh, the the author is Studs Turkel, who's um, uh, and I've never known how to pronounce his last name. I always say Turkel or whether well, it's Turkel, but it's only Turkel. Know, 
Turkle. Turkle. Okay. I, I I mean the stuff that I have read but, and, and Turkel sounds a kind of French. So yeah, I, I guess I, so. I like that. <laughs> yeah. But he has a uh, had a, a singular ability to sort of capture the the, the voice of of regular Americans, and so that's um, you know this is this whole thing uh, jibes together really well. Are, are you a longtime fan? Yes, and as a matter of fact, I got a chance to interview him uh, wow. for the, the county, L.A. County Museum uh, many years ago, and um, he was amazing. He was a great chronicler of America. He was, he's the, working was one of his books, Hard Times, the one we're, we're adapting. Um, he, he went out and talked to regular people and got their stories, and uh, it's truly moving. It's, it's truly inspiring because... These people that are talking from so long ago are really telling our story and uh, and and showing, I think, and the reason why we wanted to do it, the courage and resilience and strength and and compassion that one needs in times of uh, uh, heart, you know struggle. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of Americans struggling right now, and we figured we wanted to do something that lifted spirits by reminding us of our ancestors and how they took on great challenge during the Great Depression and, and got through it. You know, it, it's, I, I, I'm in, well, it does serve that purpose. Any of this time period of the Great Depression, um, and there's so many stories that do inspire. I was just watching the, the Ron Howard film, Cinderella Man, uh, the other night. And, you know, it, it's, it's in that, that time frame uh, and how people just rose to the challenge. And um, it always reminds me of, uh, my mother always used to say, this too shall pass. And at the beginning of all the stuff that we've been going through lately, you know, we we tend to think in just these snapshots, but um, uh, the uh, this sort of stuff and this sort of material can remind you that you know life is a little bit more cyclical, and and the and the bad passes, and then you go into the good. Yes, yes, and there were so many people that were, you know, working people that had jobs and didn't, and were were doing were doing okay, and then the, the Great Depression hit had to hit the road. You know, there were over 2 million hobos in uh, riding the rails during Jeez. the Depression. And that's, a hobo is different than a tramp or a bum. A right. hobo is an itinerant worker. They're, they're, they're looking for jobs. A tramp will work if he's forced to, but a bum won't won't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there, there again, you know, there, there's a, there's a, a charm and, a, and an attraction to this this time period because of that. There were all all sorts of things at, at play. Uh, you as as a director, when you're taking on something like this, and you've directed before, obviously, um, and it's it's work that you really respect at, at this level. I mean, how much how much work has to go into your job as the director to tell these stories? Well, this one was particularly difficult because usually we meet and uh, workshop and we're in the same room together. With uh, the lockdown, we had to start working <clears throat> on Zoom. Yeah. And we found quickly that Zoom doesn't really, uh, isn't really compatible with theater, with two people doing a scene together because of, we know they're in different locations, the timing is off, the technology is off. So we started working with monologues, and this was the best source material I could I could imagine because it, it really was talking to now, and uh, and I also encourage uh, some of our our members to write their own stories, to talk to their grandparents and great grandparents of and tell and find their story and tell their story. So there's some incredibly moving um, uh, stories about uh, survival that 
uh, uh, from our own from our own uh, actors. And are these uh, essentially soliloquies that they're doing? Yes, essentially, it's it's what we found was that uh, the way to communicate, the way to make a connection with with audiences was a direct address into the camera, a oh. real in, a real personal, intimate connection. Mm-hmm. And it took a while to get it because it's not something that we're inclined to do as actors to look into the camera and to be very personal. But uh, <clears throat> once we got through our resistance to that, we found that it, it actually works. It, it actually does communicate with our audiences. Our audiences have been really responsive. We do, an hour, it's a, there's, every show, each part is about an hour and 20 minutes, but we always do a talk back after. And what we, the reason why we found that this was going to uh, be something that would would be responded to by our audiences was that we found that people hung out after for another hour and a half to wow. talk about that's and great to share their to share their stories and to share their ancestors' stories. Mm. It's been really moving. Well, so the production is thirty counts uh, in three parts, thirty uh, accounts. Uh, people telling their stories from I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm seeing here Cesar Chavez and Dorothy Day and and, and others and uh, you know there's there's something if you stop and think about Studs Turkle's work in in the fact that um, you know we we didn't have <laughs> people weren't working around with the cell phones and chronicling every second of their <laughs> lives the way they are now the this is how you know that the, the, they don't just get cast off into the ether these these stories survive because of the works of these great writers you know like Steinbeck and 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 all these people so it's an important thing and it's an important thing to be exposed to so uh now that you've done it you sort of cracked the code on this can you see yourself working this way in the future or is this just a byproduct of what we had to deal with for the past year I I absolutely can and one of the reasons I can is because this this limitations, these 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 uh, challenges we've had to face, have a have, <clears throat> have a silver lining because what we've been able to do with other shows that we've been working on is uh, is actually reach out to the entire world. Yeah, we've had we've had people uh, from all over the country and all over the world coming to the, the previews of this, and it's it's this is something I find really inspiring. You know, we've traveled as a theater company. <clears throat> all over the United States. We've been in 40 states and in five continents throughout the world. And But it takes a lot to get out on the road. It takes a huge budget. and a, you know. But uh, this allows us to communicate with our friends all over the country and all over the world. So, yes, I do see uh, it as a, a possible uh, a future so for, it the, opened, for the gang. It opens today. It runs through September 4th. And how does one consume it? How, does, how, how do we get it? Go to the actor theactorsgang.com and uh, you can get tickets there uh, and like I said it's uh, if you're flat busted that's okay we got your back excellent hey, Tim uh, continuing on with uh, how things in, uh, had changed you know uh, with COVID being introduced uh, and everyone having to, to make uh, uh, shifts in, in how they do things one of the things that came out of this I think that was entertaining for us people stuck at home and the actors stuck at home too were reunions of cast getting together, doing some uh, Zoom or maybe watching along a film. Is there a chance that that, um, something like that could happen with, say, like the cast of Bull Durham or, or, you know, some of your really iconic uh, films that you've done? Because that would be a lot of fun. I I wouldn't rule out the possibility. Uh, It's a difficult medium. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some of those. 
and um, I, you know, I, I think it's it's fun. But I, 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 we needed to find a new art form. We needed to find a new way with this, and and this is a result of you know good year of workshop. So <clears throat> I want to, I want to, um, I want to continue to do things that challenge us, and also uh, respect the audience in a way that. We we really worked on this. <laughs> we just get together yeah. and read it. No, it's, right. it's clear. Yeah, I yeah. understand that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, I know you got to wrap. But uh, nonetheless, we'll, we're excited about this. And by the way, theactorsgang.com is where you can get the info and, and to see the live virtual uh, production. And that uh, runs through September 4th. But it's awesome to have you on, Tim. We're huge fans. So thanks and good luck with everything. Thanks. And just wanted to mention that on Saturdays, we do all three of them back to back. We do do a marathon. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Tim. We appreciate it. Rock on, man. They were giving us the wrap up, and I'm like, oh, I just got to say, it's been an honor for me as an actor with my long and storied career to talk to such an exemplary morning show. Tim Robbins, everybody. You heard it from his mouth. Wow. I can't believe he said those nice things at the end there like that. I mean, that guy's been a lot of stuff. That kind of. Praise is something I, I was not. In fact, I'm a I'm a little misty. <laughs> are you really? Yeah. We are happy to welcome our next guest. He is ready to go, and actually, uh, has been working on a documentary for a long time. It looks amazing. It does look amazing. It is called Finn, and it is streaming now on Discovery Plus. And we are helping happy uh, to welcome. Do we have that ready to go? Antonio Margarita. <laughs> no, no. Actually, <laughs> please welcome Eli Roth yeah. to the show this morning. Hey, Eli, how you? Buongiorno. Hey, guys. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Hey, uh, I know this uh, this is a pretty heavy subject, and I remember uh, seeing um, some film clips and a story about this uh, taking place several years ago, about what this documentary is about, the sharking industry, and fins in particular. Uh, Tell us first how you became interested in this and what this is about. Well, I grew up in Boston, and I was obviously the Jaws generation, so I was terrified of sharks every time I went in the ocean. And completely randomly, Discovery asked me if I wanted to host the show Shark After Dark as part of Shark Week, where I got to interview shark experts, because mm-hmm. I feel like a shark nerd, right. but I never got in the water with them. I was always too afraid. And they, they sent me on a dive, and so we documented it. And there are very few moments where your life changes and your, your perspective on everything completely shifts instantly. And I was in the water with them. It was like they were like dogs. They were so curious. They were intelligent. They were sensitive. So I got addicted. I started going in the water with no cage, no nothing. None of them bit me. They were so shy. You see me in the movie, in the water with tiger sharks. I I went caged with great whites. It's being caged. It's protected. Then I learned that we're killing 100 million sharks a year. Now, that's 11,000 an hour. And you think, how, is it, how can you kill 273,000 sharks a day? And that's a conservative activity. It might be as high as 270 million. It might be 30,000 an hour. So I wanted to make a film. I started this process of just independently with uh, Lionsgate, this company told them. Um, like Rob Stewart made a film called Shark Water and Shark Water Extinction. I was like, why are we doing this? What is going on? And what I learned is that it's the most corrupt industry. It's so bad. The whole thing is a lie. We've all been lied to. We've all been socially engineered by the fishing industry, by the lobbyists. Everybody wants us to to be afraid of sharks and to think that the populations are healthy and that there's nothing wrong with killing them. They've dropped 90%. It's, It's basically the meat is so poisonous. It's sold in supermarkets mislabeled that the, the, the shark fin soup, everyone in the world is selling their fins to China. The soup, I go there, I go to Hong Kong and I eat the soup. It literally has no taste. 
it's like fishing string. I mean, it's like they dry it in the street with dog crap. They, they scrub it with bleach to clean it. It, it has neurotoxins that cause impotence and dementia. And then in the U.S., it's 300 different types of shark products are sold on Amazon. That FedEx is shipping shark. That the makeup industry has squalene in it where there's a plant alternative. Basically, there's no reason. And then, by the way, on the East Coast, this weekend, Newburyport, Massachusetts, Ocean City, Maryland, shark kill tournaments. They're doing them for prizes and likes on social, on social media. And I go to a shark tournament outside Boston where they actually got shut down for this weekend because people were so outraged by the movie. But basically everyone's like, it's legal, it's fun, it's fine. It's just a couple of sharks. But it's literally, we're decimating our population and they're not going to recover. And the reason we need sharks is because they keep the ocean clean. Yeah. They actually eat the sick and dying fish. That's, and, and the ocean produces half of our oxygen. So when you take out the sharks, they don't eat the grouper, which don't eat the parrotfish, which don't eat the algae. And basically, you get algae blooms that happen. They cover the kelp that blocks their oxygen. I mean, there's so many terrible things that happen. The waters turn acidic without sharks. It's like the wolves in Yellowstone. But because sharks aren't cute and adorable, and the people get afraid of them, they, you know, no one sticks up for them. So at a certain point, they're going to be, with, I think within 10 years, they're going to be gone at this rate. There's you know, no you, way they can reproduce fast enough. You know, it's wild, Eli. Is that uh, so? And uh, it's interesting here because you had something that was that lived in in your 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 nightmares as your monster, and here you are a, a passionate advocate for them because of your encounters. And and it's it's um it's almost like a, like a fairy tale of a beauty kind of thing. But it is something that is as you start to peel back the layers. We we knew that there was some improprieties, but when you do some research, it's staggering how horrifically criminal uh, a lot of this stuff is. The shark population. Worldwide, from what I understand, is down seventy-one percent, uh, and that's that's a staggering amount. Oh, it's 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 more. That's ninety percent. I mean, it's like it's it's like there's two billion sharks that have been killed in the last twenty years. And I went in the water in Canada at high seas and chumming for them. There was nothing. I mean, and these fishermen will tell you, oh, it's just a shark. It's we use a circle hook. Like I prove, I, I just show it's it's like we see circle hooks infecting sharks, and it's it's such a mess. But there's so much money that's being made off of the death of them. The people don't want to change the behavior. People love killing sharks. They love besting the monster. And we just, we have to look at what we did with, you know, whales 50 years ago where we all said, well, they're going to be gone. We've yeah. got to save the whales. They're not monsters. Look, we all did it with orcas. You know, we, we said, okay, we, maybe there's other forms of entertainment other than the orcas. We did it with the circus. So we can do it. But right now, people, I just want people to understand that it does, even if you never go in the water with a shark, they are protecting your oxygen supply and keeping the water clean. And look at these kids. Kids sing that song, Baby Shark, because they relate <laughs> to sharks like a shark is a parent. It's mommy shark. Mm. Kids don't see them as monsters. They see them as parents with mothers and children, and they are. But these kids aren't going to have anything. You're going to have kids now that are two years old. By the time they're 12 or 13, there will not be any more sharks. Do you know, do you know it's... Reaches, it takes nine to... Yeah. No. To, to your point, and you talk about you know the 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 the, um, the image being changed. There was a girl, who, and she was in the, in the shallows, and she had there was a you know a shark encounter, and, and she was bitten. But she said it wasn't. Um, the response was so so innocent. She said the shark was being a shark. You know that 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 that, that she had no ill will. That there was you know that that was that was part of the deal. And 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 so listen, there there are obviously we we love the movie Jaws and, and all that stuff, but something this this. Dyer uh, has obviously, uh, you know, made you very passionate about it. And you, not known as a documentarian for the most part, you, you're getting in the, the, the thick of it and you are encountering some very nefarious people. Just watch. I encourage everyone to uh, watch the trailer and then obviously watch um, the, 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 the series. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that you're dealing with some really 
bad people, did you ever yourself feel you were at risk in being in proximity to these people? Well, yes, you're, you're taking on a billion-dollar industry that's run by organized crime. So, of course, there's a risk. But I also thought, well, I can't back out now. Right. I can't just not do it. I can't let fear I can't let fear stop me. You know, we went to Liberia where they have this boat held, and I go on the boat with the Liberian Coast Guard. I mean, this is these are basically it's human trafficking. There's slavery at sea. They, they, sign, they go to the poorest people in the world, get sailors, put them on the boat, and then they don't pay them. Yeah. If they ask for their money, they kill them. Then the boat was caught by Sea Shepherd, the Liberian Coast Guard. And it's sitting in the port in Monrovia, and the Minister of Defense held the boat for me. and said, if you can get a camera crew, I'll hold the boat for two months. Flew to Liberia. I go on there with guys with machine guns, and I go and I see the entire killing machine, the whole death machine, all for this oil that goes into moisturizer, of which there's a plant alternative. Yep. But then one of the, 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 you know, the fishermen starts saying, I'm having a heart attack, and this, what's this guy with the camera, and starts riling up the crew. Jeez. So they had attacked the soldiers before. I mean, they, it almost, I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to get some, some poor fishermen that's going to get killed. They could be, you know, and these guys with machine guns that would stand off. And got very, I thought they were going to trap me in the freezer. I mean, look, then when I was in New Bedford and I was filming day one, these people were bragging about killing sharks. They're chopping them up with hand saws. By the way, neurosurgeons, lawyers, these are not, they're not, I also went out with like the poor fishermen in Mexico and tried, you know, and explain how are we going to, you know, if you flip to dive tourism, one shark in its lifetime in the Bahamas is worth $250,000 in dive tourism. And, and, they're, and so like we're saying, why can't you flip to tourism? Like people would come here and pay to see the sharks, but, but kill them. It's $30 one time use. These people in Massachusetts, they were, they Googled me that night. They saw that I work for shark week and kind of love sharks. And then, you know, it got very, very, very tense. They wanted their releases back. They wanted the footage back. It's all in the movie. So, look, we're, we're, you're disrupting an industry that is making billions of dollars off the death of the species, so they're going to do everything they can to discredit you and go after you. But, you know, people vote with their dollars. Right now, we have the Shark Fin Sales Elimination Act that passed the Senate and it's going before the House. I put a button on the top of finthemovie.com where everyone can just go, click, copy the letter, write their rep, saying, please pass the House. So that's a big step. But really the main thing is, like, if you go on my, my Instagram page at Really I Rock, I have everyone trying to shut down going after the sponsors for the Newburyport Shark uh, kill tournament, and they're like, and also the Ocean City one. That's a big fishing contest, which they're giving away prizes for killing and catching sharks, and it's not okay. Like we got, and they go, well, it's legal. They're not endangered. It's like it's all a lie. The fishing industry, the lobbyists, I, I've seen it firsthand. They're all, they're all paying off politicians to say that. Like it's, it's so hard to get a to get a shark listed as endangered, because all the politicians are paid off. They go, nah, they're fine. So it's really, it's really, a, the whole thing is a mess. And basically, the bigger point is, why are we doing this at all? It's not like with whales, we go, well, there was no oil. It was the invent, yeah, kerosene is what saved the whales, really, mm. because people didn't have to kill whales. But with sharks, it's all, it's all a lie. Like, well, you can go to a restaurant and they'll serve you shark and mislabel it. So I just made a documentary to raise awareness. I, I made, you know, I'm known for my horror movies, and that's good because I wanted the horror fans to see it because they're also a very passionate group. Right. And I wanted it to spread beyond just, conservation-based documentary. It's like, if I can get the horror fans and the mainstream fans to see, and look, Leonardo DiCaprio and Nina Dobrev and Michael Muller came on, and, and look, we have an, an amazing that Discovery Shark Week got behind the movie. Well, that's great. It, it's great. It's great. No, it's do something now. Yeah, yeah. If you do something now, there's no way they can recover. Well, it you're... 18 years to be able to breathe, so... 
what's going to happen. Well, your passion is definitely getting the ball rolling and is going to drive this. So Finn is now streaming on Discovery Plus, which is fantastic, by the way. So Eli, thank you. Good luck with everything. It's a it's a. Uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate the support. Absolutely. Anytime. We appreciate it. Eli Roth. Yes. Wow. There's a guy who's he's definitely passionate. passionate. And then you can sense it. If you yeah. watch, just watch the trailer, you'll see. Yeah. I mean, he's he's getting into some dicey territory, clearly putting his own life at risk uh, for something he really believes in. I love you, Eli Roth, but he ate up about four minutes of our interview with our next guest. What? Who we've had on many times and always love to have on. Ladies and gentlemen, William Shatter. Hey. He's on the show with us this morning. Bill, good morning. Thank you, but you know, I, I second that that uh, exactly. I I uh, recently did a, an episode of Week, and I was uh, underwater with the great sharks, and we, we were, you know, getting acquainted yeah. as against killing them. And uh, the killing of sharks uh, it reflects the killing of all these apex predators, the, the the tigers and the lions and uh, all these things that are contributing to uh, and this is a not the jump you think it is to global warming right. because you kill the apex predators you kill the oceans in the, the case of sharks or you kill the lions you kill the 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 means of controlling uh, the populations of many other breeds and global warming I don't have to tell you guys in New York with the bad air is happening. And it's it's it is essential, critical that each one of us take on the responsibility of saying, "My God, my children aren't going to be able to live uh, if this continues." And that is a fact. So we need to take Eli Roth's uh, film, uh, this warning from people who uh, uh, seem to know these experts, and say we all owe a responsibility to the planet to uh, do what we can to be conscious of the fact that global warming is here and the pandemic is a rehearsal wow. for what's about to yeah. happen in the next several years. Well, Bill, with the, with the show I don't understand, you, you tackle some of these big nature questions. Uh, and and well, is you know, that's true, uh, but not per se. Okay. I, uh, I don't understand... So they came to me and said, would you like to do a, a talk show? And I said, well, I'll do a talk show about things I don't understand. Well, the truth of the matter is I don't understand anything. <laughs> so anything becomes fodder for a half-hour show saying, well, I don't understand that. So if you get into, uh, like, the opening show, I believe, is lying. So what's a lie? So you get a what's a lie, lie by omission, the truth, and then... Suddenly, during this half-hour talk I'm having with this expert, I evolve into religion. Is religion a lie? And suddenly the conversation takes off from what is a lie to something enormous, like why do we believe and what are we believing? So the same thing applies to, um, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to something like sharks. I don't understand why somebody wants to eat a shark fin. <laughs> Mm. Uh, even though it's customary, like uh, the gefilte fish or something. You know what? Why do you want to eat that? And yes. then, you know, then you're trailing on a custom uh, that somebody's eating shark fin soup for years. But you got to get out of that, man, because shark fins are killing the planet. Yeah, well, so in, 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 the, in, the, in the documentary... So you I do a half-hour show and I don't understand shark fins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're into the... 
population of the planet. Right. Well, you you have always been a very inquisitive person. Last time we had you on the show, you were talking about your show, The Unexplained, on uh, the History Channel, which is a great show. And and um, you know you you cover a lot of grounds. So I also saw you at the uh, a lot of the folks from the Ancient Aliens. Uh, uh, show and and you were sitting kind of uh, doing a round table with those guys because you're trying to find out you know about uh, well I, I I was invited to go in and talk to them all so I I had essentially an argument yeah with all of them and it turned out to be blissful I went in as a cynic came out less of a cynic but still somewhat cynical about about uh, aliens uh, among us but but those are conversations. I like to have yeah. with you and with a- anybody, uh, any individual can speak the language, uh, is capable of having a conversation that is tremendously interesting just by following their line of thought. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't understand is, and you can get it on portable TV, an app, or RTTV, uh, which is uh, a network. Yeah, so, uh, and I assume, are are you the one who has full sway over the questions being asked and the, the topics being hit? Because obviously you're a very inquisitive person. Well, uh, indeed. And uh, and uh, because I do <laughs> five half hours in a day, <laughs> I need help in uh, picking this up, just getting the people and and having some safety questions right. uh, in case I uh, I need help. Mm. But up till now, I haven't needed any help. The conversations lend themselves to that wending conversational thing, that adventure you can have when you're just free to talk. There's no boundaries, so you're now you're talking about uh, talking to Bob Ballard, and I'm saying to him, why would a serious one of the great biologists, marine biologists, go looking for the Titanic, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and, we just had Bob Ballard on. Yeah. Yeah. That it's a military move, because yep. they're actually looking for a sunken American submarine, the Thresher. Right. And suddenly it all makes sense. Yeah. And I've had a question like, why, is, why are you doing this? And it leads to that. I don't understand becomes a kind of fascinating mystery. Right. That's well. Let's go. Listen. You're look at the um, amount of knowledge you're imparting on uh, on any given week through these shows. Uh, do, do you? I mean, as you said, the concept, the question is so open ended that you can keep going forever. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I told them to pick up the show forever. <laughs> that's, that's in the contract. Officially picked up forever. No, it's it's the type of conversations that we like to have here yeah. uh, on our show and just exactly. see where it goes. Exactly right. Yeah. Ex- except uh, as the guest on your talk show, I don't get paid. Right. <laughs> well, we're not going to change that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, darn it, I thought we were onto something. <laughs> Bill, we just we just love the fact that you keep finding new avenues uh, to go down in uh, in entertainment, whether it be hosting or being a guest or acting or whatever it may be, because you're such a delight. Uh, so we appreciate you checking in with us from time to time, and we always Thank wish you, you. success. Uh, we, we'll need to talk uh, later on this summer about a new album called Bill. Oh, oh dude, I love your we album. Love your stuff. Has been is so awesome. I love that album. Thank you. Next album is going to be uh, fascinating, just fascinating. Excellent. In any case, portable TV, RTTV, 
uh, I don't understand. It's a uh, it's a fascinating half hour. All right, All right we, we appreciate it. it. We'll look for it. Thank you, William Shatner, guys. Yeah. Oh man, he's wow. the best. He's the best. Gooba <laughs> gooba. I almost said Uba Gooba to him in there. Sorry, the last time we had him on, he was going on about that. Oh, he goes, why would you go looking for the Titanic for Christ? <laughs> <laughs> or the way that he throws around like man. I mean, yeah. like he's still in the 1960s. Oh yeah, yeah. come on, like, man. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, that's the best. And Eli, man, Eli was going on. Dude, it could he, not even jump no. in to get a couple of questions in there. So it's true. I mean, it, again, not to go off on a flog of dead shark, so to speak. They, right. they, they're, 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 it's literally like the case they do with the, the rhinos. They kill them for the horn. I this, remember this whole creature being murdered. Yes. For, at the top of that interview, yeah. I told him I'd seen a long, long time ago. I may have been a teenager. I don't know. But, but I saw this clip on the news of them pulling full-grown sharks out of the ocean. Yeah. They would cut off their fins and just throw them right back in the water. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like... That was horrible. Yeah. It was just horrible to see. Listen, yeah. they uh, they make for great drama. They can be very scary. But uh, again, that, like when my wife has gone scuba diving and encountered, they 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 don't want anything. Sure. In their, now, obviously, encounters take place in the in the surf, and that's there. There are different reasons why that happens. Yeah. But, or uh, you might get one that's starving. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and go after something that's not. Listen, they're dangerous. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't I don't want to play patty cake with a right. polar bear, but I don't want this. Right. Yeah. right, right. Always, don't need to go killing them. Right. right. You know, you so. should always go swimming with some steak just in case they're hungry. You throw no, it away. you put the steak on your friend yes. swimming yeah. down the beach. <laughs> go get some of this. We're taking a break. We're coming back. Please stay with us. It's a scientific fact. People like free shit. And at WMMR.com, you can find out how to score yourself some of that, like concert tickets, autographed gear, and even cash. Become an MMR VIP to get extra chances to enter online at WMMR.com. Get social with Preston and Steve. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And coming soon to OnlyFans. I'm kidding. Football's back, and this Eagle season, there are huge prizes to be won at Acme. Enter Acme Swoopin' and Win Sweepstakes, and you could win up to $10,000 cash or 2024 Eagle season tickets. And all you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at acmeswoopinandwingame.com. Acme makes sure Eagles fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in to discover why football is better at Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles. Free diamonds. Steven Singer is giving away free diamonds. You don't want to miss this. Everyone who purchases an engagement ring will receive a free one-carat lab-grown diamond. You must be thinking Stephen only sells real natural earthborne diamonds. Well, you're right, but Stephen will never sell a lab-grown diamond, but he will give them away. Nothing says I love you less than a lab-grown diamond. Don't be fooled by real natural earthborne diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. Stephen Singer Jewelers, online at IHateStevenSinger.com or in a showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly while supplies last. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Bizarre. WMMR presents Bizarre. Preston and Steve's Bizarre Donate the Casey's team, the WMMR Rock and Rollers, for the Bend to the Shore bike tour on July 23rd, benefiting the families behind the Batch Children's Foundation. Visit PrestonandSteve.com for more info. People in France are being warned uh, to be uh, avoiding eating poppy seed bread after tests found 
It contained morphine and codeine, <laughs> which could cause intoxication, vomiting, or nausea. Wow. French health officials are investigating the so far unexplained presence of the drugs in poppy seed baguettes and ready-made sandwiches made with poppy seed bread. These are the best baguettes I've ever had. <laughs> uh, poppy seeds do not normally contain opiates, and government investigators suspect that a batch of seeds supplied to bakeries could have been contaminated from the latex sap of the plant. Which contains alkaloids. Uh, So the investigators are unsure how much of the popular sandwich bread may have been contaminated. Jean-Claude Alvarez, head of the toxicology department of the Raymond Pioncare Hospital near Paris, said a single sandwich made with poppy seed bread could contain as much as four milligrams of morphine. The equivalent of nearly half a tablet of morphine sulfate, which is given to people suffering from cancer. Said, I strongly advise people do not eat poppy seed bread until we tell them otherwise. That's crazy. I mean, listen, I've heard of um, false positives showing up from poppy seeds. As a result of that, but never this. That's crazy. So there's some kind of contamination. They said we must identify the source of the contamination and the companies that were supplied with this batch of seeds. Now, in a not really related story, but... Similar in the subject, a group of opium-addicted parrots in India have been terrorizing poppy farmers in recent months, creating a serious problem as the farmers have been experiencing monumental losses to their product during this cultivation season. Hey, Bubba. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Bubba. Isolated rainfall has currently caused a damper on this year's poppy product. However, the parrots are exponentially... Uh, adding to the farmer's distress, ruining the farmer's products in the process. Uh, they said the a local poppy cultivator said these opium-addicted parrots are wreaking havoc. Uh, they're junky parrots. Uh, they've started using loudspeakers to try and scare the birds off, as well as uh, contact local authorities to attempt to find a solution to the problem. Junky parrots! Yeah, they said we've tried making loud sounds and even used firecrackers to scare the birds, but nothing has helped. And we're already suffering because of the uneven rain. Rag, I want to fix! And now this. Uh, cultivators have also resorted to guarding their fields day and night in order to curb the behavior of the parrot. That's insane. Isn't it, though? How messed up is this, man? A semi-truck driver is dead after an incident on Interstate 694 in Minnesota. Nelson Maze was driving south uh, when he braked, and it caused his load of steel beams to shift in the oh, cab, man. shooting forward <gasps> and killing him. So years ago, there was a series of films made for the uh, Ohio, I think, uh, State Patrol and it was a series of uh, driving films, Preston. And one of them, they had a truck that had the exact same thing happen. The guy was transporting copper tubing, slammed on the brakes, and these tubes went right through the back of the cab oh, and right through him. That's what happened to this guy. No crash occurred as a result of the incident. The driver was also unbelted at the time of the incident. He was driving a Kenworth uh, W900 semi. Uh, road conditions were listed as dry uh, when the fatality occurred. It's a freak accident. It's horrible. Uh, when a woman couldn't get money out of a St. Paul ATM, she was so teed off, she took a golf club out and started beating the machine. She had a golf club with her? They got video on it, yeah. Uh, it happened in the middle of the night, Wednesday. Police were called to the bank after an employee was alerted about the damaged ATM in the morning, but the, woman, the woman's identity wasn't a mystery. Her failed ATM transaction revealed her name, plus there was surveillance video of her. Uh, an investigation... Yeah. Yeah. 
An investigation continues, and they have yet to arrest the woman. Surveillance cameras showed the woman trying to use the drive-up ATM at about 2.15 a.m. She got out of her sport utility vehicle, walked up to the cash machine. She swung the golf club at it, but slipped and fell. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to see that footage. I would, too. Next, she steadied herself, swung again, and she connected with the ATM this time. The machine's screen was damaged, required about a $2,000 repair job. You know, you start swinging a golf club. You, you know, that sucker can break a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got the weighted head on it. Absolutely. A Wisconsin man's attempt to play a prank on his neighbors ended up uh, devolving into a literal pandemonium last oh, month. Man. I'll explain. Oh. I'll explain. After police mm-hmm. were called to a neighborhood and report of a suspicious animal, the Muskegee Police Department... Uh, said the incident took place after a resident contacted authorities to report a panda bear being spotted at the front door of a home. Hence the pandemonium. That would be it. The caller thought that, <laughs> the caller thought that it was suspicious since panda bears are not native to the Badger State. Uh, the caller said to the operator, "It's a big teddy bear." Teddy bear, honest to God, they said when the caller, when the uh, uh, operator, teddy bear. Officers responded to the home. They made contact with the panda bear, who turned out to be a 48-year-old resident in costume. The man said that he'd have been asked to dog sit at a friend's house and thought dressing up to do it would be a fun prank. Okay. He said, I knew my neighbors had a security camera set up, and I thought, well, I'm going to make an uh, ordinary extraordinary, and I'm going to dress up in the panda outfit. Uh, so just as I was about to pivot up and walk up my lawn, I turn around and I see at least three squad cars with a fourth and fifth one coming in. Jesus. I don't think there's much going on in this town. <laughs> no. Uh, the man said... We have a panda situation. Said that he knew his neighbor had surveillance cameras. He wanted to prank him by donning the $125 suit. He said he also picked up his daughter from school in the suit and greeted her at the school bus since pandas are her favorite animal. All right, drop the bamboo and put your hands behind your head. Police eventually made contact with the homeowners who verified that the panda was allowed at their home. Let me tell you something. Uh, part of America's Funniest Home Videos now is tons of doorbell video. Oh, I believe of it. People sh- so, you know, mm-hmm. it's just crazy how much stuff is being caught by those door cameras. And then one last story. A man called for jury duty in Hawaii shouted, he is guilty, he is guilty, outside a courtroom and ended up spending a night in jail. Oh, okay. That's according to a lawyer representing Jacob Maldonado. The uh, attorney says that Maldonado was having a bad day during Tuesday's outburst <laughs> and wanted to get out of being on a jury on an assault case. You were recently on jury duty. Don't they recommend that you go outside and yell how you feel about the case? Sure, you just yeah. scream out about yeah. it and they'll <laughs> let you go. Uh, the judge wasn't amused and ordered Maldonado's arrest on a contempt charge and set a $10,000 cash bail. Uh, He spent the night in jail. He was released without uh, being charged or fined. So, folks, when it comes to jury duty, all these myths about how to get out of it, don't even mess with them. (laughs) Just go do it and deal with it. And there you go. That's what I have in the Bizarre File for you this morning. We'll be back in just a moment. Make sure you stay with us. Artists of the Month. Hailing from right here in Philadelphia, it's Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves. Free. 
Hear him on the air every Wednesday at 6.30 with your host, Brent Porsche. Search local shots right now at WMMR.com for even more exceptional local music. Brought to you by Family and Company Jewelers. Find a band that rocks her world at Family. And the station that's always supported Philly's music scene. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. Time to take out the trash from clogged toilets to dripping faucets. Horizon Services plumbing professionals are there when you need them. Horizon also arrives same day or you don't pay. Book in seconds at horizoneasybook.com. Trash on this Thursday also brought to you by Rita's Water Ice. Head to Rita's to try the new peach ring ice. Or add delicious frozen custard for a peach ring gelati or as a peach ring frozen drink. Oh, let's do the trash. Well, rumors circulating that it was an on-set romance between Pete Davidson and Kaylee Coco that accelerated her recent divorce. In a related story, literally nothing on earth makes sense anymore. (laughs) Conor uh, McGregor. Denying that he got into a dust-up of Machine Gun Kelly backstage at the MTV Video Awards after the musician refused to take a photo with the fighter. McGregor says he wouldn't waste his time with Machine Gun Kelly because, quote, Justin Bieber is the whole package and it feels like he's actually singing to you. Uh, oh, my God. And finally, speaking of Machine Gun Kelly, his girlfriend Megan Fox stopping traffic in New York City as she was seen walking along in a lace bustier and miniskirt over thigh-high boots. Fox said it was part of her way of helping out the homeless living on the streets because they need boners, too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's your Hollywood show. I hate to say this because it is handing over... One of my um, uh, one of my secret identities, if you will, my alter egos. Yeah, but Kathy noticed something. Oh my God! Yeah, she did, and uh, I don't even know what to do about that. But it's time for a different take on the notice. <laughs> I like to help you notice. Thank you, thank you. But Brought to you by Hooverman's Pound Cakes. <laughs> Somebody commented on a picture on my Instagram yesterday. I was like, I see pound cakes on the table. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, no, but this is this is purely an observation from you, something you noticed. Yes, yeah, so there is a gas station in Conshohocken, and I mean, I can't even tell you how long. For years, 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 it's the, the most expensive gas by far uh, in the entire area. And we kind of laugh at it, and anytime we see a car there, we're like... What's that person right, doing? Right, like, yo. literally, just drive a minute down the road and you'll get gas that's way cheaper. Like, nobody, if you live in the area, you don't go there for gas. Everyone sort of just laughs about it. And right down the street, there's now an Amazon center. Well, just the other day, there were Amazon trucks, like three or four of them seen at the gas pump filling up oh, at that gas station. Okay. So they, they, uh, more Than the Curve, which uh, is an online publication that writes all about Conshohocken, right. just posted and said, oh, I guess Jeff Bezos likes to buy the most expensive gas in Conshohocken. <laughs> all right, so I usually don't glance at, at gas prices. I just pull in, I get the gas, and I go away because it's usually fairly close, you know. Most, and you're going to need it anyway. You're going to need it yeah. anyway. But if I have on occasion gone, wow, you know, if, if yeah. the number really pops like that. Uh, so this is... This Head and shoulders it, oh, more expensive. Yes, and like we say, we're like, they're purposely um, pricing it so high. Like, what is the, so our Why theory, would you do that knowing knowing that there's there, there's a, a cheaper gas station right up the street? And, by the way, it's also not easy to get in and out of the parking lot. Right. So, so, it's, so also, it's got everything going it's for it. It's got everything going against it. Yeah. Um, but you will see cars parked at the pumps, but they're parked there all day long. So it's 
either an employee or I, I guess it's an employee that's there. So our theory is that they're running something illegal out of there. They park the cars at the pumps to make it look like people are buying gas, but really they're not. All right, so okay. here's the shock. I uh, I check every gas price every time I go and fill up the tank. Shocking. I know. Uh, I know you can't believe it, but um, noticed this yesterday as well. I sub-noticed Kathy's notice. and You were I, in Conchalking yesterday and saw it, right? Well, I was going to Trinity Rehab, Preston, and, and mm-hmm. it's on the right-hand side. It's this this Luke Oil gas station, and I did a double-take when I saw the gas prices. It was like 480 for some of them, and I was, you know, down here in, on Belmont, I, it's like traditionally like 320 or, or routinely 325, 330 or whatever. And so when you see it's a dollar fifty more than any of the other uh, prices in the area, it, it jumps out at you. There was a gas station. I don't know if this is a thing, Kathy, that you're bringing up, but it used to be on. Uh, they since tore it down. It was on Ridge, up at the the, the top of Ridge in in Manion, getting into Roxborough. It was on the corner, and the prices were ridiculous, like ridiculous. <laughs> and there was never anybody getting gas, and and it just I kind of just hung on, and there was. It just seemed like what, I always joked with Cl- my wife Claire. It was you drive by. What the hell's? What are they doing in there? What are, that's what we. Yeah. What are they doing in there? So maybe about I want to say a year ago, I stopped into the convenience store. I forget why I went there, but for I didn't buy gas. Right. I just picked up something. I feel like maybe Jason needed a snack, and we were like right. running out or whatever it was. But I wa- I remember walking in, and it was like. Everyone just kind of stopped and looked, and there was one employee. What do you want? No, there was one employee and two people that were just in there. I don't know if they were employees or what yeah, they yeah. were, but they sort of like looked at me like, "Who are you? <laughs> and what do you want? Because we know you're not buying gas here. Hey, it's nine hundred dollars." Is this at that five point intersection? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. It's on yep. the right hand side if you're going towards Trinity. If you, okay, if you're yeah. getting off of the blue route yep. onto yeah. it, and it's that right there yeah. uh, as soon as you approach that. Okay, yeah. I pulled in there not too long ago because I was on E. I mean, I was like, I have to fill up now. I didn't even look at the prices, but I think I remember going, <laughs> what? I just paid a lot for gas <laughs> yeah. uh, after filling up the tank. I'm like, I didn't know my tank was that big. That's me. That's how I yeah. rationalize it. My tank must have gotten larger. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, hang on a second. Let me go to Dave. Hi there, Dave. Hey, Preston. How are you? Good. What's up, bud? So I was born and raised in Conshohocken, and that gas station is notoriously high. It's ridiculous. But our theory is that, one, 476 is right there, and two, the auto auction is Monday nights, Tuesday nights. That's right up the road, and large number of people come down from New York to purchase cars from the auto auction. Gas up right there and hop right on 476. Yeah, so it's in a location where people just might go, ah, F it, I'll just fill up here. Is that what you're saying there? Well, that, and because they come down from New York, they're already paying those prices. Right. They, they don't yeah, know yeah, the yeah, difference. Yeah. So, Dave, you don't you don't think my theory is correct that something illegal is going on in there? <laughs> well, something illegal goes on everywhere. <laughs> okay, thanks, man. Uh, here's a text that says, uh, if this is indeed the gas station that's on the corner of Ridge and Chemical Road... Yep. The reason why the gas is so high there is because the rent for that plot of land is so high that they uh, pass it on to the customers to have to help pay for it. I only know it because a family member of mine used to work at the Home Depot up the street and had asked the owner of the gas station why the gas was so uh-huh. high. So now, that's mean, maybe feasible. that's what they're saying. You know, um, is, uh, these are all potential feasible, but it is there. There are those gas stations. There's one right near me. That I, I, I never see anyone gassing up. The prices are ridiculous. Well, and and right, Kathy, that? right across on the intersection is another, another one. Mm-hmm. brightly lit, 
full-service gas station with much lower prices. And really, the cars parked at the pumps, like, that baffles my mind. Right. Like, what is, like, to me, it's they're making it look like people are pumping gas. But, right. again, I go by it multiple times a day. It will be the same car parked there all day. Real quick, somebody also texted and said that Amazon might have a special deal. Special deal. Worked out with them where they Maybe. get a cheaper price if they guarantee to be filling that, up there all the time. Which that I does happen, yes. There. Like you a fleet rate. But I've seen other smaller kind of mom-and-pop gas stations that it, that would have cars regularly parked at the pump. And What is that? What is that? Would they, would they have mannequins out there pretending they're pumping? <laughs> no, but they would, they would be parked there and like it'd be the same ones, Kathy, yeah. and there's clearly nobody pumping gas, and you'd, you'd drive by later in the day and the same car would still be sitting there, and I'm like, what? so I weird. Don't know what is that's that all about? To create the illusion that they're, 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 they're look, they're hopping over there. Yeah. And I don't know if it means that, you know, they, the, the pump is out of order or, yeah. or what. But, but Kath, I know for a fact there's a gas station around the corner from that gas station that actually accepts Wendy's gift certificates for gas instead of uh, money because I did that one time at the gas station right around the corner from there. Mm. You guys don't remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember remember that that story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had no money. You gave them Wendy's gift cards? Kathy, I had zero dollars and like I didn't have my wallet and I was on E and I all I had was ten dollars of Wendy's gift cards and I got five dollars worth of gas for it. It it ended up (laughs) working. Do you know which one? Which? Yes, the one at at North and and, uh, Oh, that's my friend Kevin owns that one. Okay, (laughs) thank you, Kevin. So you just you traded it? You bartered? I bartered. Okay, yeah. I guess sometimes that works. If you have a soft spot in they're your heart actually, for Wendy's. No, that gas station, they're actually very nice there. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, a, a couple of years ago, I talked about a guy who helped me with a nail in my tire, whatever it was, yeah, yeah. we talked about him on the air, and it oh, was no that same gas station. Yeah. Uh, uh, this uh, text says, it's, uh, it's the same as gas stations that are near airports charging more because people need them to fill up rental cars. That's true. And also, there, there tur- turnpike a- gas stations are routinely higher as and well. You, you know what? There is a uh, rental car company right up the street as well, and it's, and it's on that side of the road. Like, everything, like the uh-huh. Amazon, the rental car company, all on that side of the uh-huh. road. So they're reading the room, reading the, the area. Listen to this text. It says, hey, there's a funeral home in South Philly that never has funerals. <laughs> <laughs> Born and raised around the corner. Never, ever seen one since 16th and Porter. <laughs> oh, that's like the freaking lamp company that's around the corner from my house. That, like sell lamps? It's been there forever. <laughs> there's never a car in the parking lot. I know somebody who went in there and uh, and the the person who worked there was like, what the freak are you doing in here? There's, you know? It's like a place that I pass by all the time, and this is what it's it's, it's called Oriental Rugs, and um and and I I pass by it. It's been going out of business for yeah. about thirty uh-huh. years, yeah, and and I've never seen anyone going in. It's always rug places. Rug Why places. is it always rug places yeah. that have been going out, out of business, business for a dozen yeah. years? I think because if they sell one rug, they're back in business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so expensive. They're like, hey, all we got to do is turn the lights on. We sold one. Right. Wait, there's another place in Kanji. It's called Deep Roots Grow Supply, and it's on 6th Avenue, and it is never opened. Huh. It, it's never, the do- like, it's always closed, and there's plants in there, and there's <laughs> lights in there. Somebody's watering the plants. Yeah. But no one is ever there. Is it possible the plants themselves are running the business? And I don't even know what it, what it yeah. What do they What are they selling? I don't know. <laughs> what was that? Um, Dreams. There was a There was a sandwich shop in Jersey that there was a big hubbub about it last year. I want to say Victor Fiorello even had written an article about it because the the uh, maybe it was the uh, the real estate was insanely expensive for this little plot of land I think that it was. I remember on. that. Remember that? And right. they were doing all sorts of like you know 
investigative journalism on it. As to why it was so expensive? Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, I vaguely well, remember that. This this does go to the thing of the, of the how do they stay in business sort of mm. observation. Sometimes you'll go down, and obviously prior to the pandemic, it might be a more... Uh, more of a head scratcher, but obviously a lot of small businesses took a massive hit. Mm-hmm. But when you see somebody, we sell turtle keychains. Right. We, that's all you sell? Very, very yeah. specific. Yeah. Let me go to uh, Andy here. Hi. Andy, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, Steve. Yes. I love you. I no. love you, too. Andy. What's up, Andy? So, I went to school in Chester at Widener University. Yeah. And there was a uh, a billiard store that like said that it sold pool tables and other kind of like in-home games and stuff like that. Right, yeah, it's right at the corner of uh, like a, the intersection of Fairview and uh, Chester Road, right? That's it. That's uh-huh. the one. Yeah, right next to Fizano Brothers. It, right. Did, did that it, not it, sell it, billiard tables? It, it's got to be a front for organized crime. But <laughs> well, we're not. We're, we're not. Sure. I think that's yeah, the standard yeah, assumption. Yeah, it's right? what you think. No, you don't know what a business yeah, is. They're doing. It's organized organized mob, yeah. No, it's yeah. It, it's a legit business. It's just that. You know, uh, pool tables aren't flying off the shelves. You know what I mean? That is a, uh, not that a is big a, line of people. Going, oh, no. my God, oh, my God. I'm going to run out of pool tables before I get up to the door. Yeah, that is a big-time luxury item yeah, and yeah, a very, yeah. very specific item that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it's not a store that's going to be hopping all the time. But when they do make a sale, they're going to make a, a they nice... They open back up again. All right. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Andy. Uh, here's a text that says, Kathy, Deep Roots grows supply, sells stuff online to grow weed. Uh, well, that's what, because it's never <laughs> open. So, like... There has to be something else for it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to go back to the uh, uh, the gas thing. Uh, I'm going to go to Eric. Hey, Eric, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Rock and roll. No, Rock and roll. roll. Eric. What's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, so I don't know if you guys know South Jersey Casey. There's two that you're talking about. The one in Paulsboro is the deli. They just got caught. They made like $60,000 in two years, but they produced like $1.7 million. The guy right. was running some kind of scam. Out of the deli. It's like a big story right now. That's what it was. Okay. Yep. Okay. And the other one is in Cherry Hill for years. It's near Woodcrest Country Club. It's on Evesham Road. It's now gone. It was the gas was like, when the gas was like $2, he was always 3 and $4. He never changed the price. You never saw a car in there except once in a while when you were desperate. Come to find out, it was like the police find an investigation. It was like a laundering front. Oh, yeah. Running money and pushing money through and cleaning the place. They were pushing money to the joint. We, okay. When we were at Y100, there was a gas station over in Media. There was a gas station right next to us that seemed to do virtually no business. Huh. We'd go over and get snacks from their you know, their little uh, uh, convenience area. But uh, uh, And then it turned out, how many times was that place busted for selling drugs? Selling weed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> selling pot out of there. Wish I would have known that. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let's go to, uh, hang on. Leslie wants to talk about this particular gas station, Kathy. Uh, hi, Leslie. Good morning. Leslie, you are on the air. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, man? Hi, number. Um, yes, I'm talking about the gas station. They, uh, they purposely pump up the prices so that they lose the franchise of of that particular gas. They pump up the prices intentionally to lose the franchise? To lose the franchise because they want to keep like a mechanic shop or something. They want to keep that open, but they want to get rid of the gas. Okay, so I've seen that happen where you'll have a place that it does, it's a service center, does work on cars. Right. They have a gas component uh, that they, they, uh, sometimes they'll just shut down that part of the business and you'll see non-working pumps out there. Is that what you're saying they're looking to do? 
Yes, I, that's what I'm thinking they're looking to do. Well, this oh, specific okay. gas station doesn't have a mechanic shop. No, they don't. And, it, and well, it's a big lot. Like, it's a huge lot. It's right at the corner. It has a lot of land, and it's not even taking up half of it, and no one's going there, so no one's using, like, the yeah. parking spots or anything. It's insane real estate right there. Uh, hey, Leslie, do you, I mean, do you, I don't know if you have any sort of acute knowledge of how much money you can make off of gas and, you know, why somebody would do that and just stick to the, you know, mechanic business and, and not the gas. It just seems to me that you're just kind of throwing money away to do it that way. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but I, I used to live in Springfield, and uh, you know we're in front of the Wawa there in Springfield? Uh, yeah, you got a Springfield uh, accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> what, uh, Saxer and, uh, and Leamy? No, it was uh, Bishop and Baldwin uh, Bike. I know exactly what you're talking about. Come on. This is Delco, baby. They, they, like 10, 15 years ago, they pumped the prices up for that, and that's what we were told. They're... They want to lose the franchise. All right. I, I'm still trying to figure out how that would benefit them. Thanks, but, Leslie. Uh, yeah, but uh, it, maybe that's the case. Well, you have to. Uh, listen, if you're going to, because I, you know, my, um, uh, we used to have an intern here, Vinny. And yes. His father owned a gas station. Right. And they had, they were under one franchise. And I know that the father didn't care uh, for that franchise. So the gas, the, the gas providing franchise, the yes. company they were working with, they were under one. Yes. And then they and also so do- now they're Liberty. And so he I, somehow had to get out of that. Agreement. Uh, it's well, you know it's interesting. Well, I'm always leery. I'm always leery of going to a place where I don't recognize the name of gas station because yeah, yeah, well, you've always heard stories about watering down gas and right. stuff like yeah. that. So so take Wawa for example, right? Yeah. They they built all the super super Wawas and added gas stations to every single one of them. Right. right? Every new Wawa that comes in, with a, a few rare exceptions, has gas stations now. And the reason, part of the reason why Wawa gas is usually cheaper than most of the other gas stations in the area is because they don't want you to come in to buy the gas. They want you to come into Wawa to buy the food. That's where Wawa ends up making a profit center. I want so, it, so they get you in by offering up gas at a, at a good uh, price, and then you're going to go in and buy the hoagies and everything else you get in so Wawa. Do, do most businesses, so so 7-Eleven purchased uh, most of the Sunoco stations, I believe all of them, um, so that so they now have a convenience store slash gas station right. element. See, but the, I would think that, well, what? I would think it would be opposite. That the gas would make you that money. That the gas is making them the most it's money. It's such a competitive business. There are so many gas stations in the area that this Luke Oil in, in Conchi is the exception. You know, when they when they jack it up and people aren't going to the to there, so they could make a profit, except that they're not getting enough people coming in except uh, for the Amazon I see. I see Nick's point because uh, Wawa has gas and other things to sell. Right. Gas right. stations mainly just have gas to sell, so if they undercut you... On the gas, your chances are you're going to stop in and grab something too. Exactly, and, and in the long run, you're going to make more money. Well, what about the that. lucrative car uh, deodorizer business? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can get yeah. at most gas stations. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. But that. like, there, there's a decent—I don't want to call it a markup—but a, a, a decent profit margin on like coffee and stuff like right. that. So when when um, places were giving away free donuts for for one reason or right, another. Right, right. The idea is, like, if we're going to give away this donut, because your chances are you're going to come in, you're going to buy coffee with that donut, right? You get your transmission repair. <laughs> you get your transmission repair along with it. Right. No, it's like uh, when you go to a bar, you know, sometimes yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll give you free snacks. Yeah. You sit there and you eat the snacks, you're going to buy the drinks right. while you're there. That's where the money's made. The business models are interesting because, uh, you know, when you learn that for movie theaters, the real money's made at the concessions. Mm-hmm. That yeah. the, 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 it's, it's not the tickets. It's yeah. not the people coming in to buy the tickets exclusively to see the movie. Yeah. It, that's why you have such a substantive markup on all that concession food. Yeah, but I wonder, yeah, why they why this particular gas station they just keep it that much <laughs> higher. Like well, like Kathy you were saying a dollar dollar 50 higher a gallon. That's Yeah. That a gallon adds like up. what? Yeah. yeah. 
It's going to be way. And, and I'm with you. Like I can do a cent, you know, maybe two cents, something like that. You know, like if there's a gas station like right across the street from each other, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't feel like making a left here. I'll just make the right and I'll yeah. pay you the extra dollar per gallon. Or I mean, a cent a dollar fifty more cent per gallon, yeah. but a dollar. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go to Amy. Hi, Amy. Good morning. Meemer. Meemer. <laughs> What's up, Amy? So. We were without a washer and dryer for almost a year because of an addition we were having built. And so we always were trying to find a laundromat that was fairly close but clean and not busy because a lot of them are just nasty and you don't want to wait. And there was one down the street a little ways in Claymont, Delaware, and it was perfectly clean. It lights were always on and bright. There was never anyone in there, and the door was always locked. And it did have hours posted. It, and this is what was crazy. The hours said they were like Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, which nobody does laundry at that time. But even then when I went there, they were still not open. So I think they were literally laundering money. I th- it's, it's quite possible. See, Most of the laundries I've ever gone to have been like 24-hour laundries. Yes. Yeah. And See, we go there immediately, clean, though. used it, I guess. Like, like she's, yes. she's going to money laundering. Yeah, it's, Mine's it's, uh, a drug Sex ring. trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks, they're, Amy. They're not open. They're a curio shop on the corner. I bet you they're running arms across the border. Uh, the formula that Nick had described about, uh, you know, taking a loss on, on one product and, and getting uh, business on the other apparently is a business model called a loss leader business. Yeah. Uh, it takes a deliberate hit or break even on uh, uh, or, or break even on something and then profits from the other sales once you're in. That, that's a standard, right, uh, yeah. approach? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> All right, let me, go to, let me go to Mark. Hey, Mark, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's up, Mark? So my wife used to work down South Philly at uh, St. Agnes Medical Center, mm-hmm. and her and one of her friends went out for lunch one day. And uh, they went to a little ice cream shop that they saw down the street they'd never been to before. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they walked in, they saw just a bunch of guys sitting around a table in, like, dark suits. <laughs> and uh, the lights were kind of dim. And uh, they said, what do you guys want? Like, we want ice cream. I'm like, I think you should leave now. <laughs> I think you should leave now? <laughs> okay. So that's like unfriendlies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Let Thanks, Mark. Street. You come into the store that says ice cream outside, and you're looking for ice cream. I'm gonna break your legs. Wow! It sounds like they were they were planning the hit for Tommy and Goodfellas, <laughs> right, yeah. and uh, and they knew didn't want anybody in there. Wow. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, it's a bit of a mystery, uh, but an interesting one nonetheless. We got started on this because Kathy was the noticer. She noticed this uh, <laughs> gas station over the past few years has been. As prices That's a mystery. significantly higher than others, and uh, lots of Amazon vans gassing up there now. But uh, it might be exclusively, like for the most part, an Amazon stop if they've struck a deal with Amazon. But it was uh, it was pointed out on uh, more than the curve, the Conshock, and uh, is that a? Um, by the way, more than the curve is that Facebook or is that just a website or what is it? I mean, he's on social media, but it, it's um, a website. It's just like a local. You know, it gives you all the local news. Yeah, within but I wasn't sure if it, was, if it was a website or if it's just a, a group on Facebook or no, whatever. Yeah, so, he, okay. it, it's a it's a website. More than the curve Okay, interesting. All right, listen. Uh, want us to take a break because we need to stay on time, obviously, for the MMR money clip, and that is coming up at eight o'clock, so not too far away. Uh, we've got the bizarre file and actually a guest coming up uh, when we yes. return. So we'll do that stuff in just. Just a second. Stay with us this morning. 
The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp.